Welcome to episode 122 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Kieran O'Rourke. How's it going? Carl Jones. Always ready with an adrenaline flush. And returning, G. John Chase. I wish I was Kurt Angle's son, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) The big news. Who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) Where did this guy come from? We are, of course, here today for the show that we have dangled in front of you, the loyal listeners, for months. Uh, This is, of course, the death of TNA. Uh, G. John Chase returning to this very special broadcast here. What was the the phrase you used before we came on air, G? When the body is buried, the worms come out to feed. (laughs) And and that that sums it up perfectly. (laughs) So, just for you, who, who, of course, have, uh, have never listened to this show before, or if you have listened to us for a long time um, of course the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com feature every show we've ever done and one of the very first shows we ever did gentlemen around this fine oaken table uh, was the the, uh, the highs and lows of TNA I want to say it was episode like 9 or 10 or something like that, like that. because at the time um Spike TV had dropped TNA and we figured well this is probably going to be the beginning of the end it was imminent we thought at the time here some, we are some of us hoped yes here we are years later and the, na- the the company has been sold, the name has been dropped. It's it's about as the, the brand name of TNA is now officially dead. I'm not having it. Well, this is the thing. I'm not having it. All this is like the fucking Nazis. They didn't lose the war, they just changed their name. They didn't go away. How many, yeah. how many got convicted of the Nuremberg trials? <laughs> not enough. This is just like that. Exactly the same, in fact. I, it's, it's more than we managed to convict for the death of WCW. There you go. I kind of agree with that. Not necessarily <laughs> with, the, with, with the World War aspect of it, but just like, this just tells you how bad TNA are, where they couldn't even give the de- us the decency of dying properly. They couldn't just com- completely wipe themselves off yeah. the face of the planet. They have to do this weird thing where, like, oh, we're going to change our name. So really, yeah. the only thing that's actually dying is TNA, the actual name. The name. Cheeky However, fucks. Dixie's gone. Different ownership, different people in charge. Double oh. J has, has wrangled his way back into things yeah. in, in a rather admirable piece of uh, of uh, Machiavellian yeah. business. Like a dirty horse starting to linger around the new boyfriend now of WWE. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Lifting a skirt up a bit, showing a bit of thigh. Come on, <laughs> have a lick of uh, my honey badger. Come on. <laughs> For God's sake, G. you've been back two minutes. <laughs> What the fuck's he talking about? Since when is he talking like this? <laughs> we are, of course, going to uh, hear from you, the loyal listeners today, because we asked for your eulogies for this. Let's not call it a funeral. This is more of the wake, if you will. Uh, reminiscing on the good times, the bad times. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, you, the loyal listeners, have have chimed in with a uh, myriad of fantastic comments. We've got everything from... Uh, you know, fantastic witty uh, poems and eulogies to analytical thinking to one-liners that people wanted carved on the tombstone. We're going to get to as many as we can throughout the course of this broadcast. This company can't afford a tombstone. Well, yeah, can't even afford to pay attention, Carl, I think is uh, the, the line that the great Jim Cornette came out with. So what do you want to go with first? Do you want a quick spitball around the table about what this means to you? <laughs> <laughs> Nah. Or should we get into some of the uh, the talk about the good stuff about TNA? That'll be the quickest one to go through. Okay. Well, I will tell you what. Let, let's do. I know. I say, 
We don't have any structure. We do it TNA style, just fucking shit all over the shop. Shit, shit all over, yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Shit, shit, there you go. Throw shit at the wall. You lot watch yeah. TNA, so make your own sentence I'll, out of this I'll show as well. I'll make a run and make it a DQ. All right then. Yeah, okay. We'll just stop the we'll send the show halfway through. And, <laughs> and in the true spirit of things, we could always just run it in reverse order, like their battle rolls, and go from the finish to the yeah. start. Mm. Oh, hold on. Titles do change on a disqualification over That's there. true. That's true. Um, let's get first I think this will set the tone for the kind of thing we're going to expect here Kill Joy G on the UK fan forum (laughs) (laughs) touche comes out with and I'm sure this will get a smile from you Carl with the deepest regrets (laughs) and tears that are soaked I'm sorry to hear that TNA finally croaked it lived a full life on Dixie's own terms now let it be buried and eaten by worms and if I had a fed as stupid as you, I'd have wished for cancer so I would die too. So be brave, GFW, get your life back on track, because TNA's dead and ain't never coming back. Of course, an allusion to the great boss man promo that uh, yeah. you love so much. But uh, there was a lot of these. A lot of these kind of uh, <laughs> witticisms that come here. And I actually want to start off uh, with one of my favourites here, which is Harmonic Generate on the UK fan for one with quite the poem. And I guess it'll take us back to a simpler time in TNA. A time before Russo. Time of the weekly pay-per-views. Not quite that far back. Okay. He says, I first saw TNA in the year 2004. It was the Super X Cup, and out came Johnny Storm. He had a match with Teddy Hart that blew my tiny mind, with flips and dives so crazy I had to press rewind. They had me hooked. I had to see what they would put out next. Luckily, I hadn't seen that faction, SEX. The wrestling channel started to show old asylum shows with CM Punk and Raven, Siaki and Ekmo. <laughs> oh, God, no. I was excited when they started hyping Ultimate X2, a match I'd never seen before. What mad shit would they do? But the high point of any show is always AJ Styles, who soon became my favourite guy, his matches made me smile. TNA would make the jump to monthly pay-per-views, and I'd sit at my computer com- to compose my own reviews. I became a cheerleader of what they would provide, from Elix Skipper on the cage to Conan Homicide. I would proclaim to everyone that Abyss was the next Kane. I realised that for old man Jones, that makes me quite insane. The Canadian destroyer would set the world alight, but looking at it logically, that move was proper shite. <laughs> 2005, Candido died. It really was quite sad. Shane Douglas made a comeback. Cut the music. <laughs> they brought in Kevin Nash and teamed him up with Alex Shelley. The funniest, the funniest Kev's ever been. I laughed right from the belly. There was a summer when their shows were only seen online. A bloody shame, if you ask me. Their quality was fine. Monty Brown would pounce a guy and Rhino hit the gore then they brought in Christian and my jaw hit the floor Samoa Joe rose through the ranks then at uh, Unbreakable they did a match that made my faith in them unshakable with AJ Rude and Steiner and soon Kurt Angle too it seemed that there was nothing bad that TNA could do I was watching every week I was a full-fledged fan so what went wrong to turn me off and impose an impact ban VKM or Black Rain Battle Royals in reverse or that uh, skit set at a funeral with Jarrett but no hearse I can't remember what it was that made my fandom fade was it the entitled Impact Zone who never even paid (laughs) was it the booking or was it Jeff Hardy off his tits or was it the return of Russo and his cavalcade of shit I did go back quite briefly at the start of 2010. I saw the nasty boys come back and switch right off again. (laughs) Broken Matt was the last time I gave the show a look, but safe to say that by last year I didn't give a fuck. And now they're GFW, they have a brand new name, but generally the quality will likely be the same. They gave me some great moments, mostly back in the day, and so concludes my eulogy, The Death of TNA. (laughs) Fantastic bit of work. 
Fantastic bit of work. Harmonic generator. Far, far more entertaining and thought out than anything the company ever produced. Yeah. Having said that, though, he does phrase at some point. Let's think a little bit positive here. We're going to slash this company to shreds throughout the course of the podcast, mm. possibly. But there are some things about TNA that were quite good in spots. And LAX was one of my early favourites. Homicide and Conan, in particular, Hernandez was always just kind of there for me. But uh, again, the act together, very, very good. And uh, so I was kind of just wanted to have a quick round table of uh, the act that you did like the most from TNA. Hmm, I'll go. I was gonna say, don't all, don't all go <laughs> once, lads. Uh, I'll go. Yeah, LAX obviously. Joe, AJ. Um, uh, <laughs> Alex Shelley and the Paparazzi Productions videos were quite amusing. Yeah, they were excellent. They, they, uh, they did get a mention, I think, at some point in the uh, the feedback. They've had, you know, you, you, they've had a lot of individual good stuff. That's yeah. why people always watched it. You know, people have a lot had a lot of faith and. Um, loyalty to the show even though well especially in this country obviously not so much in America where no one paid or anything but that's not the point as a free product people it was over to a degree <laughs> um, smell of conviction yeah but they just you know they just offended your sensibilities so many fucking times and uh, I know you for a fact Carl don't like having your sensibilities offended so no, <laughs> um that's I think that that's what it is, isn't it? For, with them, for, I know I'm probably jumping right at the end. No, that, no, in no. fact, just cut this out and put it at the end. Saves me an outro. <laughs> I think that's that's what, that's where you really like hurt feel, not hurt feelings, but lose good faith is when you keep you dangle that worm and then you then you retract. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, the thing is, uh, there were some positives uh, to TNA at some point, but the problem is, is that they were always immediately followed by negatives. Not like there was never really a, I felt like a, a, an extended period of time where you felt. Uh, that there was a significant improvement because there was always something going wrong I can't necessarily just turn around to you and say AJ was the best thing in TNA obviously he was from a wrestling standpoint but they fucked him over so many times and the same with uh, uh, Samoa Joe there, there's, oh. there's, there's a lot of there's, they're, they're the two main culprits I think that well, they're not, they're not uh, guilty but um, th- there's so many things you know the X Division obviously had its highs there was obviously great moments with tag teams you mentioned LAX against uh, AJ Styles and Daniels I think obviously had Triple X against America's Most Wanted, uh, Motor City Machine Guns versus Beer Money. There was, there was so there was so many um, uh, quality teams that passed through there, which is really good. Um, Why well, no mention of the Naturals, G? The, the Naturals. <laughs> I, was, I, I saw. Oh God, I was watching a bit of that, and I, I just suddenly remembered that the Naturals was actually a thing. And I can't. I think one was Chase Stevens. I can't remember the other guy's and name. Douglas I don't care. I don't care. Name from wasn't it? Sorry. Is that where you got the name from? Chase Stevens. Mm. TNA. Basically, no. the, 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 the 2005 equivalent of well done. Yeah. Only they put I, the belts on them. I, I, I think. I think. I think the the only the real time I can really think of uh, of uh, a decent period of time where I thought, okay, there's at least a little bit of something here, was um, the initial period when they first started doing pay per views, like the proper ones. They they moved away from the, from the week by week uh, bullshit and they started doing proper pay per views. And it's the first run that they did. They weren't perfect. By God, the main events of those shows were absolutely atrocious. Charrot, but. <laughs> The rest of the undercard, as I said, with names that we just mentioned, you know, you had AJ versus uh, uh, Petey Williams with Chris Saban in there, had lots of great matches. You had uh, a name that I will bring up uh, for myself, I'm sure probably other people won't agree, but Monty Brown, I thought, had. uh, Couldn't disagree more. I thought you would, Carl. (laughs) I thought you would, Carl. But um, I I saw there uh, being at least some sort of upside or at least something there, Uh, not necessarily to be uh, the stone cold of their company, but at least. 
somebody that they could put the belt on that gets it as far away from fucking Jarrett as possible because and that was, was just their own. someone that was their own someone that was uh, signified as them and I remember like the, the initial period they kind of did like a reasonable job of kind of like pushing him you know he was, he was he was fighting against a lot of monsters and so on I think mainly Abyss he was wrestling against and they did a lot of hardcore matches and uh, I think I think the kind of real moment I realised okay this this company's is not going to gain any momentum, any traction, at any point. Was uh, I remember the show? It was Final Resolution, uh, 2015, and it's when uh, after building up Monty Brown, they were going to do like the whole match where he was going to be in a triple threat, and then whoever wins the triple threat would go on and face Jarrett at the end of the night. And the triple threat was him, uh, Monty Brown, uh, Kevin Nash, and DDP. And so you're thinking, okay, it's the one guy against two has-beens, but the two has-beens that have like a history. You know, they've won world titles, so a kind of win over them. Is, it can only be really a good thing and then obviously the, the obvious storyline will be he's just ran through those two now he beats Jarrett right right and like no he just fucking he fucking just loses to him and it's like this is the only guy outside of AJ where throughout the entire period that AJ was there they could never decide what they wanted him they go, oh let's have him as world champion he's very popular oh but now Jeff Hardy's here oh no Christian's here we'll put the belt on them what should we do with AJ we'll bring him back in the X division oh but now we've got Samoa Joe where should we move him we'll move him over to the tag division wherever we can put him we can we'll never get behind him but Monty was someone that they potentially could have got behind and they had the opportunity to do it and they fucking failed and right to the point where the very next pay-per-view after that, you're thinking, well, it's going to be a rematch or surely another number one contendership. Like, no, he's wrestling in a tag team match with DDP against Team, uh, team Canada. Oof. And like a few months later, he turns heel, which just went down like, you know, like a cup of cold sick. <laughs> <laughs> just quick on fucking beer money. I know I've said it before, but it is the TNA show, so I'll repeat it. The fucking, the, la- the Landstorm. Um, James Storm, when he was hot, against Rude oh yeah and they yeah. fucked it up they really fa- I thought that, in- that entire oh, period was like there were times and this is this is indicative in TNA where again even even if there were things that are isolated good moments when they do you know string a couple of dance steps together yeah. and they actually do get a bit of interest in, in a character or something or something that in the heat of the moment mm. feels relevant all of a sudden somehow and they'll just find a way to just yank the rug right out from under you. Well, I don't know if you remember, uh, Liam, when uh, I think it was, uh, what was the year when they, they started to do the Monday Night Wars again? Oh, Dash 2010. Like Something like that, yeah. And when they first started, I think if I remember right, we, we would have conversations about it, where like, I think the first two, three weeks, it wasn't long, folks, where they actually, like, the programming was reasonable, and they started to kind of build, no, like... No, no, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It, no, it wasn't. It, they had it, the it, nasty boys on there. They had Bubba the Love sponge this, this, on this, there. There's two, there's two very distinct periods of time here. Yeah. and I think you're getting a little bit confused the oh, bit you're talking about is 2012 which was in line with what we were just talking about then around okay. that time when, when this yeah. is and then they did the Claire Lynch thing and fucked it all that's up it. right sorry that's what yeah. I'm talking about sorry, so it wasn't the period. war it's okay, okay, not that bad. yeah there was a bit where they started doing, t- uh, doing TV and for, it was only lasted three weeks where there was actually something <laughs> really good and we were talking about going hey man they might be turning the corner here the wrestling is getting things better. out yeah. they're getting, getting better the match is getting putting people right over and there's a bit it's actually got structure to it and then as you said Lynch happened and it was just like well, I'll, when when it comes up, I'll go into that. I think that's the worst thing TNA's ever done. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's just fucking Jesus, Carl. You've yet to chime in here with something you really loved about TNA. It's, it's difficult because you know positivity to TNA is what positive is to someone who's at risk of HIV. So it's no, not making it. <laughs> I will. I will. It. Excellent. I'm leaving that in. I was, I was, waiting, I was, waiting, for, I was waiting for the obligatory. Oh, oh will you be serious? <laughs> when the mark pen comes out, yeah. you know, it's like, well, let's just stop talking because this isn't making it. Yeah. Behind the scenes, folks. Yep. Leave it all um, in to the back. 
<laughs> no, we really are TNA. Um, positive things in TNA. The use of Joe when he first came in. Yeah, it was quite splendid, wasn't it, for a while there? Yeah, certainly. You know, again, we're, we're talking you know, really a little golden nugget in what is a field of shit, generally speaking. But but the use of Joe was, was good at first, and then eventually they sort of never put the belt on him, buddied him up with Nash. They brought in Sting, man. They brought in Sting. And they wanted Joe, him to be the top guy and not Joe. Joe eventually won the belt, but then came across as a whiny complaining bitch which is of course how you book Samoa Joe and then he ended up with a penis on his face in in, in many ways he's, he his TNA run is kind of a microcosm of the company I think you <laughs> think so? yeah well, so we're going to get into a bit of analysis here. Steve Rich, Air Aid, uh, from the UK fan form, uh, wrote to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash scgradio and said, TNA is what I imagine if I try to picture WCW in its dying days going on for another 10 years. Constant resets, obsession with ex-WWE stars, failure to stick with the direction, hideous gimmick matches, aversion to logic, nonsensical C-list celebrity tie-ins, Russo getting his grubby worksheet fingertips all over the product, people ending up on TV who had no business being there, I could go on. I'll never forget when they decided that the Dudleys, 10 years past their best, should wrestle the Nasty Boys, 20 years past their best, on a pay-per-view in 2010. Or when AMW somehow beat said same Dudleys, despite the ref being temporarily blinded and not knowing whose shoulders he was counting. <laughs> or when British Invasion won New Japan's tag titles in a tables match without putting anyone through a table. Or Tara losing her belt in that preposterous lockbox oh. debacle. After an elimination match where not only did she not get pinned, she actually won a fall. Or the whole concept of feast or fired. <laughs> the company had for my You women. just wouldn't grab one of the briefcases. <laughs> you would just not take part. You would not participate. The comp- hey, don't you come up with those plot holes, Carl. Yeah, because uh, yeah, what, 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 yeah, the TNA world champion, what does he get? Yeah, we got money to make Ex- here. Extra food stamps like the rest of them are getting paid. Because <laughs> yeah. Sting was the only one who's ever given any fucking money. <laughs> oh, and Hogan as well, come on. <laughs> the company had, for my money, about two good years. But much like the Simpsons, the dross now far outweighs the goal. And now that Jeff and Kurt have both gone home, I don't see the point in its existence. <laughs> So harsh take there from uh, from old Air Raid, but uh, one that I'm inclined to share. Oh yeah, very much so. The, the, the only the only difference being from my perspective is that even maybe it's because I was younger at the time. Even with the, the terrible shows that WCW were putting on, and you know we we've gone back and watched a few in recent times for our for our review series, which you can all check out at, on um, SquaredCircleGazetteRadio.com. SquaredCircleGazette.com. No Thank radio. you. I'm an old man. Just be grateful I can remember most of it. <laughs> um, even so, with WCW, there, there was as as much as it had plummeted and as pathetic a company as it became, there was still a sense of sadness to me that that it was dead. Whereas I've I've been waiting for TNA to go out of business. <laughs> what are you going to do this time now? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry. There's plenty of things I can hate in the world. But there's just, you know, I was just desperate for someone to switch off the machine when all, all this um, TV nonsense. All this TV nonsense. Oh, a pillow over the face. L- would have done. Little from column A, little from column B. But no, it's just, yeah, it's just any 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 positive thing we can find 
we can immediately jump to how they screwed up that positive thing. We don't even have to talk about that that one thing as a sort of an isolated good thing because it wasn't inoculated from the rest of the shit that surrounded it. Eventually it got the stink on it as well yeah. and it was fucked. There's never any extended period of time without that stink eventually forming. But the, 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 I know Kieran doesn't want there necessarily to be a structure in place here but I noticed with that particular, uh, that last uh, uh, listener... Uh, was commenting a lot on gimmicks yeah. of matches and I think this company more than any other company that I know of has really kind of cornered the market on <laughs> shitty ass fucking gimmicks right and that's really saying something because WCW they were pretty prolific at that but TNA is a whole new world because you and know the duck cup incident d- yeah, duck cup. see that's the great thing that's, that's why I really want this is why we came back because I really want to do this podcast this was I this was, the this duck cup through you the dub cup through me and this was and this was in the first two shows yeah we should have known then yeah. but, but, but let me let me just ask around the table quickly because um, Air Aid mentioned it there I, I think he said he thought there was a period where the company had two good years or two solid years whatever, whatever word he used to describe it do we round this table think that's accurate? Because I, I actually think he's been a bit generous there. Mm. I, I mean, you, you I, can I, you can you can point to certain things that you thought were good during the fifteen years under the the TNA moniker, but I I don't think I could ever point to sort of a prolonged stretch of time where I said that that was that was the one good period they had. I th- I think for myself, uh, I think oh five oh six had probably the most upsides during it uh, for me I think that's the period where like um, as I said they started doing the pay-per-views uh, they started sorting out a TV product for for, um, for the network and you know they, they, they got Christian in 05 they got Angle in 06 and you kind of felt like okay the, at least these names are viable at least they're names they can use and not just like a Kevin Nash or something where you, you just want them to go away uh, it's just that these guys you can actually use in the in the title picture and to try and put over the AJs and, and Samoa Joes. You had Samoa Joe turn up in 05 at Slammiversary. So I think, though I most certainly wouldn't call 05 and 06 perfect years because there's a lot of bad shit in those years as well. For me, I think those were probably the ones where the most good stuff kind of gravitated to. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I think that I think everybody's, when people think of the glory days of TNA... <laughs> <laughs> I think that people's minds do flip back to that period when you had AJ, Joe and Daniels doing the, uh, the, the three-way series five. Yeah, and that was that period and at the same time you had your Monty Brown versus Triton you had oh, your Planet Jarrett you, ha- you had Dusty Rhodes as the, as the fucking director of authority trying to get Tracy and Trinity to fight over him the kings of wrestling the kings of wrestling period Anybody remember that? And yeah, yeah Savage coming in for that. And, and that so but see, that's painful. exactly what I mean. We are talking about what is, what is considered the high watermark of TNA. Yeah. And in those sentences, yeah. you have reeled off Dusty in the back of a fucking pickup truck as the authority figure. The play. kings of wrestling. Oh, Johnny Fairplay. Johnny Fairplay. Got got, apparently, from what he said, he got paid three uh, three hundred thousand uh, dollars for forty minutes work. This is a, this is a, this is a company that I, I may not be bang on with the numbers, but in the first two years, lost something like twenty two million. 
cool. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but, but, so, well, so it's not outside the realms of possibility at all that he got paid that amount of money. It, it's a thing that's already been said, and I think it's going to be said all the way through the podcast, where it's just, it's just they never had momentum behind them, not at any point, no matter what they had, what was given to them, and they had a lot of things given to them yes, to they succeed. Did. They always freaking failed to capitalise on it. Yeah, I think that's the thing for me. And, I actually, and we'll get into this a bit more in depth later when we talk yeah. about when, and we give our final soliloquies, our final eulogies, I guess, around the table for TNA. But I just think that that, that strikes me because obviously you, took, you mentioned 2006 in there and the build up to you know, Christian comes in in, uh, in November of 2005. That was big. It was a huge deal because he, he had a lot of momentum behind him and he wasn't used the way he should have been in WWE at the time. Everyone was mm-hmm. clamoring for him and seeing it didn't happen. Yeah. But then in 2006. I just remember that, that that series of pay-per-views as it was happening. I just and again, Carl, we would listen to Sunday Night Submission every week back in 2006. And I just remember every single time they we would there'd be a pay-per-view, and I'd watch it and I'd listen to the show. My the, the sentiments echo. It's like it's another thumbs in the middle show. It was never this one was a top to bottom fucking scorcher. Well, cause and then to culminate this, they get Kurt Angle, which yeah. seems like it's going to be great. And they hire Vince Russo the same week. Yeah. And to me, I never, I never got to enjoy Angle and TNA other than like you know, isolated matches where we just ace. The, the, because the initial couple of Joe matches. For yeah, example. exactly. But even then, even then, to... the first match is thirteen minutes. Yeah, and, the, and and let's not forget that the you know the, I think it's the, the, the third one. I think is where Kurt Angle attacks Joe's girlfriend. And yep, out in of the, nowhere, yeah, in the build up. Kurt Angle's walking around backstage in a thong because Samoa Joe stole his clothes or something like that after he was tanning. Fucking hell! <laughs> but but, but you, you mentioned you mentioned Christian, and I don't want to, I don't want to feel like we overstate Christian too much because at the end of the day, it is Christian. But it, but it was, but it but it, but it was, it, it was somewhat of a coup for the company because you thought, well, here's an example of someone that the WWE did want to keep. It's not as if he's just someone that they cast aside. So you thought, okay, well that yeah that's. More of a positive than say bringing in DDP would have been, or the or the Kings of Wrestling mm. as an example, something like that. So it's more positive in that regard. Which but, was Hall and Nash, by the way, for those of you who yeah, don't know sorry. who the Kings of Wrestling are. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, Elvis. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah. Don't, yeah. Tell, them, don't yeah. tell them. We're this not. Stuff. We're not. Um, we're not talking uh, Castagnoli and Chris Hero as a tag team in Ring of Honor. Um, but even during that point, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett is still the focus of the company. It's just, I, I, I think he hit the nail on the head there because um, let's just move away from Christian for the moment because when you when you're saying about the problems about you, you know uh, you listen to the to the show and you know it's the thumbs in the middle and I I, I don't want to try and like simplify it all but it, it was, for me it was literally because the main event scene was so bad because the undercard most of the time was fine because you always had a strong tag match and strong X division matches yeah you also had Eric Watts but you know what you're going to do <laughs> but but the, the problem was always because the last thing you see on the show the main event if that sucks then it's going to leave you with that like thumbs in the middle thing and that was what I mentioned earlier when we said with Jeff Jarrett where he was just always around you know he fucked over Monty Brown he, he, had, he fucked over AJ Styles uh, Jeff Hardy as well and you know he had the Kings of Wrestling I think like Raven got the belt I think briefly yeah. there was the 24 hour reign of Rhino during 05 as yeah. well there was just, that there was, was the main shift after Kevin yeah. Nash had a heart attack and didn't want to do yeah. a job that, that, was, that was just the thing of like well if you do hire someone with previous, previous cardiac yeah. problems <laughs> these things might happen that, that, that's, that's what was the annoying period of 05, 06 where you, you felt like everything was just mediocre because the, the, the match the match that should be drawing everybody in you know if you go by what booking is supposed to be was was wasn't really drawing people in. It was the undercard, and so it was like so poor. And so when you got to the point where you had someone like Christian, who, who who was who was a good nab at the time, because Christian, 
I think sometimes it's forgotten. Christian was was getting really kind of hot in WWE in 05. There was I mean, a lot. There was holes in it. Fucking forgetting. Well, <laughs> uh, well, it's TNA for you, but it's just you know he he was you know. And Jeff Hardy too. Yeah. And was hot than Jeff yeah, Hardy. exactly. And Jeff Hardy was hot when he left WWE. You know, Chris, Christian built up a lot of momentum in 05, where you're thinking he could get a belt. But obviously, they they obviously chosen Cena and Batista to go that way. And so when when he went to to TNA, you kind of felt like yeah. Okay, that's actually someone they can use, and it was same with Kurt Angle, you know. And w- what did they do? They they immediately just blew their load and did Samoa Joe straight away, which is a very. I, some people might argue saying that was the right move to do. Just go, just get get it straight away. I personally think it was. I think they should have built up to it. And um, it, I would just say, as, as a general rule of thumb, I would agree with you in terms of a build up to it. Yeah. But this is TNA we're talking about, mm-hmm. and they can't do a build up to anything. Yeah. And the one thing I will say in defence of the company, I suppose, is that in terms of a buy rate in comparison to anything else they did, mm. it did blow everything else out of the water. Yeah, but it's, it's just, but it's, I think it was just the, the, the speedy nature of it, the short sightedness of it. I mean, obviously, obviously, whenever they decided to do it, Joe Angle was going to be money. Uh, well, as much money as they, they were going to get uh, for TNA, um, but you know, this, it was just the short-sightedness of doing it straight away. And then uh, um, I think you know we could probably argue all day over the actual result of that first match. You know, like who went over and so this. on. It's bullshit. They need to. Do, that was the right match to do. That was the right match to do first away. It was the fucking build, but doing it so quickly that so no build and the fucking finish, as you say, that yeah. was the problem with it. Yeah. That was absolutely the first the match you do first. It's just they needed a better way to get out of it. Yeah, or whatever. Um, or at least fucking maybe build it for two months before you actually do the match yeah. and have them on TV for two it, months. That's the thing, it wasn't even that. It was like, literally, it was just like, oh, Kurt Angle's in, this month's pay-per-view, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. And it's like, you have to have some sort of build. I, 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 Kieran, they're saying, like, at least do two months. you got to do something there. Uh, uh, they, they didn't wrestle on the first pay-per-view, if I remember right. It wasn't a confrontation. Bound for Glory was the it was first confrontation. Basically, Angle's debut was the like the show right before Bound for Glory, so they weren't going to do it then. But it was like, and then they did the confrontation, and then they okay. had about six or seven weeks before the next. They didn't do it at Bound for Glory. Basically, Angle got made his first appearance, the Impact before Bound for Glory. Then at Bound for Glory, they did like a pull apart, and then they wrestled at Genesis the next month for the first time. That's not so bad then. Like we said, it did, it did the best. It did the best part they ever yeah. did. But the finish, again, though, the finish well, and the outcome is, yeah. is debatable forever. I think we mentioned there a second ago uh, gimmick matches, of <laughs> course, and uh, I wanted to read a, uh, another wonderful eulogy here. This one from the Wood on WrestlingForum.com. <laughs> uh, tip, tip of the cap to us. Um, he says, "Here are the rules of the TNA Funeral Cup." If you flush someone's head down the toilet, you get two and a half points. If you make them watch the entire Last Rites match, you get three and a half points. If you take a stink face from Cheeks, you get two points. If you just goose slap his ass, you get three points. If you actually slap his ass with a goose, you get three and a half points. If you have sex with a farm animal over the course of the event, you get two and a half points. If that farm animal is Bubba the Love Sponge, you get four and a half points. Get slapped by a heel Tony Schiavone and get two points. If it's the greatest slap in the history of our sport, you get two and a half points. <laughs> if you remember David Young exists, you get three points. Oh, no. Diamonds in the rough, baby. Oh. 
If you get plastered and no one notices until it's your turn to speak pissing off Sting, you get one point. If you find Elix Skipper, you get a chicken hoagie and a small coke. If you do a full lap of the venue carrying the trash can with a midget beating off inside it, you get two points. If it looks like you're about to get over at the funeral but then get hit by Jeff Jarrett's guitar and align with him, you get three points. If you manage to successfully climb out the Steel Asylum, <laughs> like homicide when you're trying to get out, um, you get a chance of keeping your mid-card career intact and retaining some of your dignity. If you form a main event heel faction during the course of the evening, you get one point for each member over 40. If you put Rhino over three times during the course of the night, you get two points. If it's because Kevin Ash has suffered an injury or a heart attack, you get an additional point. If he's got the charts to prove it, you get no points, but can we at least see where business dropped off after The Rock took over? (laughs) 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 It was that awesome Kevin Nash video with the chart. Yeah, Kevin Nash was funny during that period. He was excellent. If you accidentally send an email bitching about the network gracious enough to air you, you get one point. Brush past Abyss and he took a bump on thumbtacks? Help yourself to a point. If you were a member of the Aces and Eights, you get to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Employ the Nasty Boys and receive four points. Ignore a fan poll and get two points. Scrap a new concept within four weeks and collect two points. Stick Ricky Morton on a forklift and get one and a half points. Every time you fire Awesome Kong for physically intimidating a douche, you get two points. If that douche is Bubba the Love Sponge, you get three and a half points. If the douche is Bubba the Love Sponge and then you have sex with him, you still only get three and a half points. If you sell eight pairs of sunglasses, you may be able to supplement your income. <laughs> Remember that, Taylor Wilde? When she was the Knockouts champion was working at Sunglasses Hut at the same time because she had no money. No, seriously, one of them was paid on food stamps. Yeah, Jesse Neal. Yeah. Uh, punching Jeremy Borash gets you five points. If you can name all the participants in the 16th Ultimate X match off the top of your head, you're either a loser or a robot who's been irresponsibly programmed to store useless TNA-related factoids just to impede the human race by not using you for anything more beneficial. Have two and a half points. Jeremy Borash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you throw yourself around Hulk Hogan's legs and beg him not to leave, you just lose. You impede the human race. Three points. If you get 25 points or more, you are allocated a briefcase, which will contain either a title shot, an autographed portrait of Scott Hall, a full week's worth of pay, Elix Skipper, at least winning you that hoagie, or if you're lucky, your termination papers. And don't forget, you should be ashamed of yourself. So that is the TNA Funeral Cup, and it actually kind of ties us nicely into a topic that I wanted to get to your favourite TNA gimmick match. <laughs> Are we being genuine or sarcastic for this? Well, yeah. anything in reverse. Yeah, because yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> why not? The, the reverse not? battle royal, <laughs> the King of the Mountain match. I hated. Oh, it that was always my least oh. favorite because I hated the idea of having to grab the belt, carry it up the ladder, and hang it just to take it off when it's you win it. Fucking, yeah. Why not just fucking climb the ladder and pull it down? Just why do it. you have to carry it up? Don't forget the penalty box. The penalty box. Oh. Who could ever forget the penalty box? Yeah. So King of the Mountain may take this one for me. In terms of genuine best creation, I think Ultimate X wins by a fucking mile. Oh, by a mile. I don't think there's any... It's it's the only one worthy of any genuine praise, isn't it? I can't think of another one. I I mean, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be facetious. If there is another one, please tell me, because I can't... I honestly can't think of one. How about the Silent Night of Bloody Night match with the barbed wire Christmas tree? (laughs) That classic. (laughs) I suppose suppose Sabu and Abyss had a half-decent barbed wire match once. Yeah. I, I completely agree on the Ultimate X. The Ultimate X was the only good one. But um, in terms of the worst one, what about. Uh, I, I don't know where you can. Well, yeah, I guess you can say it as an individual gimmick. What about the uh, the electrified cage? Oh, God. <laughs> I think they must have got that from the uh, same cassette that they used for the Mountie. Yeah, exactly. The shock stick. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty, was pretty. It, was it passive control technology? Brought back some fond memories for Abdullah the Butcher, though. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us as a result. Mm, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Hey, at least they didn't have that switch just fall down randomly, didn't they? It wasn't that bad. I love that about wrestling, you know. When something's really shit, like <laughs> not just shit, like embarrassingly shit, and then you copy it. Yeah. The fuck is wrong with you? It's like, yeah. it's like I suppose they actually did that with Shockmaster and Abyss as well, if you think about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, they must have had something. Fuck Abyss! Hole. I have not said that already. I hate that guy. He's shit. He's fat. Waste of space. Just because you're bigger than the rest of those fucking midgets. And, and don't don't forget, <laughs> I believe he did say to Mick Farley once about not using barbed wire because it's his gimmick. Oh, well, did he really? Um, that can't be true. No way. So I vaguely remember that story. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. There must, there must have been something on a pole. They must have done something like that. Oh, they did plenty of things on poles. They had ring girls in cages during the asylum days, so I'm uh, sure I, poles came in for you. I don't know necessarily what you call it, like a worst gimmick, but it was just like, I just remember being a really poor match. I, I can't remember what it was called. It was something like an asylum match. It was like a massive red cage. Yeah, it was when Jeff one. Hardy came back. Yeah, when, 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 when a homicide couldn't climb out the middle. Gravity was not inside at all. They may have had one. One good match during during the lethal lockdown phase. One of those yeah. may have been decent. You know what? Though, I that, vaguely remember. That does go to show Donald's onto something because Mexicans can't climb. So now, come on, Kieran. Will you be serious? <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> you, you talk about this idea of, of the gimmick pay per views <laughs> and why repeats why repeat something that's so terrible in the first place. TNA have a lethal lockdown. Every match is a cage match without mm. rhyme or reason. Yeah. WWE now has Hell in a Cell as a pay per view. Yeah, the hits just keep on going. That rhyme or reason? There was something else. There was something else in the X division. There wasn't just an Ultimate X. There was another gimmick. Uh, X division. They had the cage deal, which was the one that we mentioned before. They had the X Cup. The X Cup, which was a tournament, which was perfectly yeah. fine. Now I'm sure there was something like it was. Was it some like like an ultimate ultimate X or something like that where they I don't know they raise they rose it even higher? Oh or oh, um, they, but Elevation like, X. Elevation X. That's it. There you go. The scaffold thing where they couldn't yeah. move because it was so narrow. Oh. Yeah, that, yes. was, that was splendid. Fuck, that's still in my mind. <laughs> I thought I buried it. I knew there was something else. We, mentioned, we, was we mentioned their first uh, league thing yet, whatever that was fucking called. The Bound for Glory series. There you go. That was the biggest. That might be the winner. Shit. That oh, might be the winner. The, 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 the one where the point system changed halfway through. And I don't know what the fuck was going on. The wrestlers didn't have equal matches with yeah. each other. Yeah. My God. And just randomly, people were getting eliminated. They go, oh, hey, he's gone, and like, and he gets points because he was eliminated. So that actually means he's back in again. Yeah. And then the person who actually won didn't win. He came last. Samoa Joe Smart ended up with minus points. I remember at one point. Um, uh, what was the one? What was the fucking guy's name? Crimson, who was undefeated and still didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm the kick of the, the humorous here. So I'm gonna Li- read... Liberal use of the word great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this from John Carr, 92 on the UK fan form, who, who cites his thoughts in the form of the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Our Carter, who art in Nashville, six-sided rings be thy name. Claire Lynch will come, first battle royals won. <laughs> In the impact zone, as it is in the Hardy compound. <laughs> Give Bram this day his multi-year deal. <laughs> and forgive us Victory Road 2011. As we forgive those who bought you Charmel versus Jenna Maraska. Lead us not... <laughs> lead us not into Dixieland matches. But... But deliver us from cheeks. <laughs> for thine is the King of the Mountain match, the Monsters Ball, and the Bound for Glory. <laughs> Forever, never delete. 
Oh, tremendous. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. That's a, that's a thing of beauty. That is. Let's get some more uh, serious analysis here. MIM731 on the UK fan form says, TNA, we hardly knew ye. Except we did. Things needlessly on poles. Black Rain, Jeff Jarrett as world champion and top star. A midget having a wank in a bin. Samoa Joe's penis face tattoo. Reverse battle royals. Vince Russo having a job. James Storm attempting to murder Mickey James by pushing her in front of a train. Orlando Jordan pouring fake jizz all over himself while Rob Terry grunted in angry homophobic rage. There's no place for fake jizz in wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) The electrified steel cage with sound effects played over the PA. Claire Lynch. The list goes on and on. To be fair, TNA had its good points from time to time. The X Division was once a force to be reckoned with. Names like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn, Chris Daniels, Loki, and many more having the matters of their lives. A brief but brilliant run from Desmond Wolf, that angle Joe rivalry, the main event mafia, or not, uh, Sting finally learning how to cut a proper promo, and Jeff Hardy smoking. In the end, like the very initials of the company, it was a bad joke that went on too long, and the joke just wasn't funny anymore. TNA became a retirement home for people WWE had finished with, and a training school for those whom WWE weren't yet interested in. GFW may just be TNA with a new name, but I'm sure we can all be thankful that name has finally been put to rest where it belongs. Oh, I almost forgot to mention Relic. That's killer spelled backwards, you know. <laughs> So that actually brings up another one that I wanted uh, to kind of talk about there. The balance that TNA was trying to kind of walk for years, it seemed, of bringing in the the WWE retread acts, some of which felt desperate, some of which were valid, obviously. And uh, I want to know who some of the the more egregious ones to you personally that you thought were just shameful. Um, I'll I'll just throw out there that it wasn't uh, necessarily WWE, but I just remember EV 2.0. Oh God, that was awful. When they had Tommy to, Dreamer. So not, just, oh! so not just did they retread WWE, but they also retread another failing company in ECW as well. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Kieran? I fucking talk it through. Every single and Tommy Dreamer was the face of that as well. Well, that says it all. I don't <laughs> think fat face. <laughs> yeah, was blubbering, crying. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> I'm just glad I have a home and a roof over my yeah, head. Yeah, because your cardboard boxes got wet last time, you fucking vagrant. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, just from the name. EV 2.0. 2.0s just annoy me. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, it, it, it's up there with new. New. Uh, team. 2000 on the end of a team. Yeah, I like that too. Oh, that never one. exist. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think Eric Watts was involved in one of those as well. And, so. and another fine moment for the Watts family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, I, were, there, I weren't, there the, weren't many the, after the, 1984, the, were there? Sorry, WWE guys that they brought in. I, the, the one that pissed me off the oh, most yeah. was Junior Fatu, which was Rikishi. Oh. When he came in... I don't even remember that. He was there so for like a week yeah. or two. And he was there. I think there was some kind of stupid Russo tournament going on at the time. He was going to fight Bobby Roode. And he just like, in the middle of this promo, he called him Rick Roode twice. And they didn't even ask the fucking guy to retape it. They asked him to do a job. He refused, so they fired him. <laughs> There, there were there were other ones that like like along those same lines. I think they had uh, what was his real name is uh, Val Venus came in at one oh, point yeah, as well. Yeah. But I still think it's been mentioned. I still think just because it's not just it's one thing getting the uh, they had Daniels put him over, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, it, it's it's bad enough getting the people who have just left WWE right and retreading them. It's bad enough to go to the Attitude Era and bring in like Rikishi and Val Venus in. But going all the way back to 1990 and bringing the Nasty Boys back. That for me is just—I mean, you can almost—you can well, you can rationalise like people like the Hogans and so on because they're like names. But Nobbs is never a name. It's a suitable <laughs> name for him, 
but it's not a name full stop and so seeing the nasty boys going that far back and dragging these people into the present uh, at well, the time we, we, was just disgraceful we probably have Hogan to thank for that one we of course we do Nobs has always been his boy and uh, it, it screamed of WCW 94 95 didn't it just didn't it? though didn't it just it, just, it sort of jumped out it, 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 god forbid I wasn't stupid enough to watch the, that episode of Impact when it aired, aired that first Monday show oh I did but when you read it like, oh right okay everyone could have seen this coming yeah wait a minute what do you mean Bubba the Hoof's Punch was there oh god it's worse than I thought and here comes and Scott Hall and Sean Waltman too oh jeez Getting the band back together. Fucking yeah, hell. You mentioned a few uh, in, in the previous um, uh, chap as well. Lando Jordan. Was oh, mentioned. Lando, that was that a good was, one. That was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, but someone like... Did Virgil ever turn up? No, no sadly. But, no, but you, oh. like, you mentioned Val Venus and, and um, Orlando Jordan. You think they were, to me, and I know this will break Val Venus's heart because he has a pretty high opinion of himself. They were such non-entities in the first place in the grand scheme of things. Bringing them into me is neither particularly egregious or, or a fantastic idea, one way or another. If you're out um, there and you're the person who was interested in TNA because Val Venus was here, please email the show and, and tell us what your uh, story is. I, I, I decided to talk on you. Go. I think. I think one that just had me scratching my head, even if it was just for a one-shot deal, was when they bought China in. Oh God! Yeah, I just, about that. with angle I just, as well. With angle, I just couldn't understand for the life of me. Oh, she looked rather rougher than a badger's ass. <laughs> well, she is dead now, G. <laughs> you have as much sympathy for that as I do for TNA. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, that that was just one where I just sat. What the what, hell? What? Why? What's going on? Here? Why would you do that? To work with Jarrett again? Yeah. Yeah, you got Cause, me. Because it, okay. it, it panned out so nicely last time. Jared's asking about the fucking six-figure payday, maybe? <laughs> no, Dixie was probably stupid enough to give him one. I actually have it, but it's a bit of an obvious one. Go ahead. It's, it, it, the Harris Brothers. Oh, yeah, they're in cast of stars. I know. I but said they're, stars. But they're, but they're rejects <laughs> from like, two companies, so you just think... It's it's like it's one thing... Like, they're the rejects thing, like, okay, life. Maybe Val Venus Rikishi. Oh, maybe we can use them. Maybe they've still got a bit of name value. But the House Brothers never did, so it's like, why were they hired? How about the one of them that... Well, because someone needs to hold the ring up on the first show, don't they, Carl? <laughs> when the ring breaks. <laughs> and and they may or may not have had a stake in the company at said time. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. yeah if you, well, I love that story, too. When, like... The, during this, during the, uh, the arse end circling drain of the Dixie Carter era... Where, is, the warehouse years... The <laughs> where they're like, if you can't, if, yeah, if you got a problem with the fact that you're not being paid on time, take it up with the uh, the new production company, Harris Boys, yeah, Aero looks, Aryan looks. I just kind of remember that they were in the company that Tony Giovanni was in there. Very Tony there. he was um, only there for um, one shot. Ken Shamrock, first champion. Yeah, yeah, first he champion was there. Ever had. Yeah, that's first right. Show he won the title belt. Bagwell was there for a brief period. Of time. Remember that episode? Remember that episode of Impact? Luke as well, wasn't Luke? It? Yeah, that's Luke what I was going to say. Where like, Samoa J- Sting's looking for a tag team mm. partner and he brings out like, yeah. Rick Steiner, he, both Bagwell and Lex Luger. And he, and he reads out his list yeah. and very cleverly ends each one with and that's a shoot. I didn't remember that part of it. Oh, I do. I just, I just remember the only, Bagwell. The only good thing about Sting's entire run in TNA. The Joker? No! No! Absolute horseshit! The Eye of fact, the Stinger. Fact, I, I, remember, I remember reading the story about how Dixie Carter, during one of you know, her, what must have been viewed as a Churchillian like speech, 
to the huddled ranks in, <laughs> in catering at the theme park is when she said, if only you could all reinvent yourselves like Sting has. Really? That's really. splendid. The only good thing that came out of Sting's run is when Jarrett hit him with the guitar when Joe was his partner and Joe turned round, looked at it, shrugged and still walked off. <laughs> emphasising... by me. Emphas- exactly. Emphasising that forever and a day, Sting is the world's dumbest baby face. <laughs> so we want another one here. Joe... Woo! <laughs> Joe Angovic's on the Facebook page who, God bless him, has been homering for this show since he first mentioned the idea of it. We're giving it to you today, Joe. I hope it lives up to the hype. And he starts his eulogy with the phrase, mistakes were made. (laughs) They could have offered a definitive alternative to WWE. They were poised to offer a more solid professional wrestling product, light on sports entertainment, consistent with the total non-stop action their name promised. They had an early roster of promising youngsters, hashtag Gorilla Monsoon, and established (laughs) veterans to build on. But as time went on, consistently pushed them to the back burner in favour of anyone with name recognition from WWE. And in many cases, ran them off with a clown show that they put on. Every time they had their hands on something promising, they ground it into dust under their own heel. In trying to become the WWE, they managed only to become WCW without the boom of success. RIP TNA, the wrestling company that built its house on sand. And didn't it just, by the way, hiring everybody from the cover of WC- yeah, the death of WCW to run the company? Amazing, that. Funny how that works. Bob Ryder was employed by them, I believe. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah, it's back to the sleeves that episode we did to uh, hear that story. We Al on the UK fan forum says, TNA, 2002 to 2017. 15 years, by the way. Missed by few, forgotten by many, never known by most. Your impact so minor we didn't realise you had gone. Still, at least Jeff had a job for a bit, eh? <laughs> that's his take. That's, that's the, the striking thing about all this, and, and often what I think is sometimes forgotten. The, the sort of the TNA banner or moniker, as we'll call it, lasted longer than ECW did as a company, lasted longer than WCW did under that name. It's just. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Gus Gus Mears on the UK fan forum says, Impact, impact, for we knew ye well, from first writhing stripper to last tolling bell. Impact, impact, atone for your sins, the barbed wire tree, the midget in bins. Impact, impact, for we knew ye well, shout out from heaven, residing in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Poignant, (laughs) poignant words there, Gus. I appreciate them very, very much. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Craig Atkinson on the Facebook page says, I only have two things to say about TNA. I was a staunch supporter uh, of a place for young guys and girls to earn their keep and learn their craft until they sent Jeff Hardy out in no condition to perform. Then, rather than fire him, when he turned up in no condition a day later, they just gave him a paid vacation. They were putting lives at risk and put, set a bad precedent. After that, I was done, which was a shame, as I was a big fan of uh, Mel- uh, blah, 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 uh, Motor City Machine Guns, Beer Money, AJ Styles, Kurt Angle, Daniels, Lethal, Raven, Samoa Joe, etc. Oh well. I refuse to put my support and money into a company that put the wrestlers at risk rather than instilled discipline. Second, fuck you, Russo! I think that's a, an interest. That name has to come up here, obviously, because I remember my, my dismay at the news that Russo was brought in and the turgid television that followed to the point where when the news came that Hogan and Bischoff were coming in, I was so happy. I was so happy because I thought the television under Russo was so fucking nonsensical and so awful. I couldn't stand impact. I, I couldn't watch it. But again, it, it, it harks back to 
just in general the ineptitude of the company and in particular the ineptitude of Dixie Carter in that you know you, you look at their sort of the trials and tribulations they've got with their TV now when it comes to um, pop and what was your um, Destination America Destination America it's sort of a subsidiary of, of the Discovery Network isn't it something like that yeah. but um, yeah and you look and think oh, how on earth are they ever going to dig themselves out of the hole when these are sort of the networks they've, they're finding themselves on well they're only finding themselves on there because you hearken back to the email before or, or one of the emailers did that they had a very willing TV partner in Spike a very proactive very supportive TV partner and she pissed it away to bring back Russo. Oh yeah, I think that uh, I, I have very little sympathy for the for the plight of TNA, obviously because of stupid moments like that. But I always thought it was so funny how like this company has enough financial backing that you got two hours on Spike TV. How Jeff Jarrett fucking managed to wrangle that in the first place? Well, yeah, it was a one-hour deal originally with Spike TV when they didn't have a pot to piss in. It's like they have had more than any other company so much gifted to them and fall into their lap they could have done to it. a guy as hard as Jeff Hardy that's what, that's what, that's what offends that the fu- that's the thing that, that they, they, they have no excuse for yeah. failure they have no excuse apart from themselves because they had, they've, they've spent a shitload of money they had fucking TV deals that every other company in the world would fucking beg for apart look from look what UFC managed to cultivate with that same, with yeah, less than exactly that. and that's the thing as well they weren't not they weren't Spike weren't doing them a favour Spike fucking loved them because they were using Spike to get over even late, late years like Bellator and stuff yeah. that's how valuable it was they, they were fucking valued how do you piss that away you've literally you've got, you've got money you've got stuff okay you, it's has been stars but there's still a lot of named talent there that you can use to supplement the talented guys you got you can bring in guys from all over the world you've got a fucking open playing field to do because at that time WWE weren't touching all the, the indies no, at all no, they, did, they didn't want that talent they, they TNA could have done whatever the fuck they wanted and they didn't they just fumbled the fuck around and just and just disappointed everyone apart from 2000 British fans probably <laughs> yeah. that's the other thing such was Spike sort of uh, positive view towards the company they were helping to supplement salaries like you know Christ knows that 500,000 a year that Sting was making a good chunk of good chunk of that change was paid by Spike they were you, it sort of frustrates you and you think imagine and, and we've at various times we've we've knocked um ECW and the sort of the smoke and mirrors element of things when it came to, to Heyman's booking and the way he run the company but imagine what he could have done with with those opportunities I'm, I'm not saying everything would have been a roaring success and you know you'd have a, a, a genuine sort of Monday Night Wars uh, scenario or anything like that but you can't help but feel that someone like Heyman who managed to do what he did on a shoestring what he would have been able to do with those opportunities. I mean, you know, bear in mind, as I said before, TNA lost about twenty-two million in the first two years. And yes, ECW wasn't run particularly well, but it had significant financial constraints and lost somewhere in the region of seven million over something seven like years. seven years. So, you, but you, so you just think someone with I don't say half a brain, but just someone with a, with a bit of creative impetus who, you know, Heyman wouldn't have had the daft idea to, to employ someone like a Russo and 
certainly would have had at least the forethought to think if I'm going to use this older talent I'm going to use it in a way to elevate other stars and if they're not going to elevate then I probably won't use them so he would have at least had the forethought to have that sort of you know a, a proper balance and long term view whereas it just seemed that TNA for you know as many sort of benefit the doubt as, as people may want to give it they were determined to think we can out WWE the WWE is a bit of a tongue twister that says after I've had a couple of beers <laughs> but yeah it's just so I think that, like you said that's what we find so galling and so frustrating the fact that they, they had opportunities that, that other companies would have been desperate for and if even if those companies hadn't have ultimately been successful they would have certainly made more of a fist of it than, than TNA ever did under Dixie Carter I with what you, what you both you guys just said I, it, it just sounds like they just didn't have any patience they never they never looked at what they had they looked at what they wanted to have they always were just looking and going we want to compete with WWE we want to be their equal we want to beat them we want to get there now and that's what it was and they didn't look at what they did have they didn't look like okay we've managed to get a really good TV deal we've managed to get some names that can draw you know fans of them to the product we have talented individuals that once they're watching our show will then carry on watching it for them not for the Kevin Nash's of the world they never looked at what they had they just thought what else is out there you have AJ Styles you have Samoa Joe but no they have to sign Nash they have to they have to sign I feel Hogan. like you're trying to stick too much on Nash yeah yeah I, I know I'm, I'm Nash. Just, it's, it's just the first name that comes to mind his mug's just always there you know they, they have to go for Hogan they have to go for Flair they always have to go for these guys instead of looking at what they had and that was always the problem with them it just it was just they just weren't patient which is ironic for a company that was around for 15 years and as you mentioned was technically around longer than ECW and WCW under that name it's absolutely ridiculous they just had no patience they just never appreciated what they had and they were just always they were just always shooting far too high there was no realism and firing there, blanks yeah exactly there, there, there was no realism there was no realistic um um I can't really think about that. Yeah, the, 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 there's no real, no realistic expectations from them. That was the problem. They, they, or they, they immediately thought, "Hey, there's, there isn't WCW anymore, so we can immediately form a company and we can be WCW and we can be exactly where they were." And it's like, no, it doesn't fucking work like that. You have to build a fan base, and goes, you have to build a new product that is different uh, to WWE. That's essentially what Eric Bischoff did in the initial success they had, where, he, you know, he, as he always says in his interviews, I looked at what WWF was doing and I did the fucking opposite. And it's like, and you know, and for a very short period of time, it freaking worked. But TNA did not do that. They did not do that. They didn't look at what was different, which they had. They had things that was different that WWE weren't doing. WWE didn't have talent like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. They had the freaking Gemini and shit like that around and Orlando <laughs> Jordan, for fuck's sake. But they just... I lost track of what yeah, I said. Right. It, it, it's, it's just, yeah. I, I did the fucking, just quickly, this being different thing, that's, that was fucking bullshit in my opinion. I, I get the, this fucking sentiment you want to differentiate, differentiate yourself from the WWE. But you know what? Just put on a good show, a good solid pro wrestling show, and then you wouldn't be fucking out of business. I thought, I, th well, I thought. Like, say you have an identity then, rather than be different. Just yeah, have, have your you own get, identity you can get, rather than yeah, just immediately trying to copy. Fucking yeah. fuck yeah. that yeah. shit. No, I'm when do fucking companies aren't sh companies shouldn't be the stars your stars are the stars so you fucking differentiate by creating your own new stars yep. yeah 
Again, so when, when did they do that? When did they do that? That's the example. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Let's come up with a fucking gimmick ring. Let's come up with these fucking gimmicks. Let's do a fucking battle royal back to front just to be fucking different. That's bullshit. <laughs> just create your own fucking stars, supplement it with established stars, and use them guys to get your new guys over. So people go, I'm going to watch TNA because that's the only place I can watch AJ Styles. It's not fucking hard. You don't need a fucking 12 sided ring or other bullshit. Just fucking put wrestling on. <laughs> they, they, did, they did that with, I can't, I can't remember what match it was. They did. I know you're not a fan of one. one one of the participants but they had an AJ Styles Abyss match right I think this was when um, Hogan first came in and it was just like a simple match oh, it was like God. okay <laughs> forever, forever, however, however much you, you hate Abyss it's like he was one of theirs he was one of their guys the same as AJ and then what did they proceed to do it's like Hogan stuck his uh, th- stuck his tiny dick into uh, uh, Abyss by giving him his fucking ring his right? Pain right? ring his, no his ring um, <laughs> and, and you know Ric Flair was trying to make AJ into the next Flair it's like they just, they just couldn't like you had two guys they're homegrown for better and for worse Better and for worse, and and but yet you, you just couldn't help but stick WWE guys in there. Yeah, it's like no, the identity is the WWE guys. He has to be the new Ric Flair. He has to be, uh, you know, uh, getting the power of Hulkamania through him. It's just. I remember an interview. No identity. In 2010, when Hulk Hogan said that Abyss would be the next John Cena. Oh, he could fuck off. <laughs> I'm still listening to that prick. Before we get to some more of the uh, contributions from the loyal listeners, I actually, again, uh, I, I want to kind of a quick once around the table here. I another one of my favourite TNA topics, gentlemen, sure. which is the illustrious litany of top flight stables that we were treated to oh. in TNA. Oh, okay. Because, and I, and I want you to think deeply before you answer this question about Fortune 4. Fortune four. <laughs> okay, no, or immortal. No, no, hold on, for the purpose of this. Or the front line. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. stop. Just, <laughs> just, just cool your jets. You need to name the people that were in these for me. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. G- g- give me a name, and I'll tell you who was in them. Um, immortal. Immortal was Hogan's group when they turned heel. Originally, it was Hogan, Bischoff, uh, Abyss, Jarrett, and Jeff. A heel turned Jeff Hardy. That's great business, though. Eventually, they ended up adding like Gunner and Flair and a bunch oh, of other. Well, they technically added Fortune to it. Yeah, they added so Fortune they added to it. They, they to merged it. the entire thing, and then at one point they turned For- Fortune back babyface. Fortune was quite a thing because also Fortune Four. Well, it's supposed to be Fortune Four, and yet it had, it had five uh, people. Uh, but yeah, it had AJ Styles. Was it AJ Styles? Beer Money, Desmond Wolf. Doug Williams didn't it have like Christopher Daniels, Daniels like a pseudo there. member as well. It's like Kazarian. Well, they can't fucking count either now. Kazarian. No wonder they didn't earn any money. <laughs> yeah, don't forget Kazarian. Aces and eights. Yeah. Aces and eights might be yeah, one of my that's... top candidates for the biggest bunch of fucking losers I've ever seen in my you mean, life. You mean you weren't feeling the return of D'Lo Brown? I didn't mind. I was down with the Brown. It was <laughs> Garrett uh, Bischoff. <laughs> Garrett Bischoff, Wes Briscoe, all uh, these fucking splamools yeah. as you used to say, G. Um, oh yeah, the guys like that that would come in. There, it's just, you know, it's like fucking Taz was in the Aces and Eights and the Dudleys, yeah. and it's like Bully Ray. I liked as a heel on his own, yeah. but man, Aces and Eights just and they, killed and they, that. And they built him up as a babyface, and then they just you know against the Aces and Eights, and then they just had to do. Swerve turn, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was fucking awful. <laughs> Ken frickin' Anderson made his way into it at some point. He was in the Millionaire's Mafia, what the fuck? Oh, the oh, Millionaire's Mafia. Mafia. There you go. Yeah. Sting, Kurt Angle, Kevin Nash, Booker T, and Steiner. Steiner. Steiner was hilarious during it's, this run, though. That's where yeah. got Steiner and Booker on commentary, was it? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. No, Nash, Nash and Booker under yeah. the guises of, of Chet yes. Lemon and Black Snow. <laughs> <laughs> He started the commentary once, I remember hearing him. Yeah, he did. He was a ring announcer yeah, too yeah, yeah. once upon a time, wasn't he? Scott Steiner was very funny during that period. 
He most entertaining he was at any stage during his TNA run. Yeah. Oh Christ. I think, uh, it was a trans- because obviously, like, yeah, Aces A. I think he said just because it was put into a main event position is really bad. Uh, Immortal and Fortune as well. Um, Sports Entertainment Extreme. Oh, comes that to was mind. awful. During the 2003, the first one, of the first big Russo runs, um, which featured fucking everyone in the world as a member. Don't forget the return of Mr. Wrestling. And technically, we mentioned before the the, the uh, Kings of Wrestling because it was Nash Hall and Jarrett, and yeah. all three of them. So that's technically a stable. The front line is the opposition to uh, the main event mafia. But th- th- this, to me, summarizes TNA so well. The front line, which is like all the baby faces basically, against five heels. The yeah. main event mafia, the top stars we just mentioned, against the illustrious stable of the new blood, basically. All baby faces here Styles, Joe, Rhino, the Dudleys. Those three fucking uh, rookies. Daniels, the Merchant Machine Guns, Consequences, Creed, James Storm, Jay Lethal, Bobby Roode, ODB, Petey Williams, and Eric Young. Okay, is there anyone who wasn't in the front line? (laughs) No. No, but it was Don West. (laughs) Well, maybe the buffet line. One one I just just generally despise because they're around during a time period of tag team wrestling where um, you you actually had decent teams. Um, three live crew. I, I like three live crew. No, I do. No. DG James, I, 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 Von Killings, and Conan throwing his shoe was great. Coming from someone that never saw anything in Conan, and then just I, I didn't see much more in uh, in our true for uh, or Road Dog either, so or whatever their fucking names were over there. Um, that, the, that was the, a team that was the that was second bad. ever TNA World Champion. Ron the Truth Killings. That's correct. Yes. yes. When when they tried a pseudo Ricky Steamboat heel turn. Yeah. And then he Ricky, quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let that one soak in. Heal Ricky Steamboat. It's never been done, Carl. Yeah, for a fucking reason. Wasn't there some. Oh, I, I, I'm trying to remember. There, uh, there, was, there was a time period where our troop was a tag team champs with Pac Man Jones. Was oh, there, there like a third. Well, yeah, it was, uh, uh, um, uh, it was Xavier Woods, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, consequences. 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 Yeah, that was bad. Just <laughs> for the fact that one member of the team couldn't fucking wrestle. The yeah. f- he was he four, the f- legally allowed to do it. The forerunners of the New Day. Indeed. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> that's a stretch. So, SEX Sports yeah. Entertainment Extreme. Oh god, C, this, this was a litany. Yeah, so, yeah. Consisted of Vince Russo as the leader, oh. obviously. Glenn Gilberti, Desire, oh. a fat Elvis called Disgraceland, David Flair, BG James, Ashley Hudson, Brian Lawler, Raven, Chris Saban, Mike Sanders, Sonny Siaki, Eric Watts, Miss Hollywood, uh, David Young, Ron and Don Harris, Elix Skipper, Loki, Chris Daniels, Julio De Niro and Alexis Lurie, Eric Watts, Brian Lawler, David Flair, AJ Styles, Chris Harris, James Storm, Larry Zabisco, and fucking Todd Pengill and Tiger Alley Singh. Uh-huh. Um, oh, well. I'm sorry, but I, I, something. I, I switched off at the start. Was that who were feuding with SEX? No, that was the entire stable. So was that the the, the, the roster at the time SEX was around? Just the stable. Half, half the roster. Half. That was one faction. That was one yeah. group. They was, yeah. And they didn't use the same entrance as everyone else well, in well, TNA. They walked through the crowd oh. at the asylum. Well, they were yeah. probably they, feeling they, out crowd members yeah. probably as well. <laughs> they, went, they went to the back of the barn. <laughs> Technically, I've been there many a time, and it was I know no, yeah. asylum. The asylum. I've been to the asylum. Yeah, the old, the, the old uh, fucking national pro- fairgrounds. It was probably just a warehouse like the impact zone. Yeah, national fairgrounds. So, but the, the main event mafia in the front line was I thought very uh, you know kind of the epitome of TNA's booking, where you have the five heels against the fifteen against the rest of the company's baby faces. All the baby faces lose the entire time, and inve- eventually, the heel group just splits up and fights each other. 
And Angle versus Sting is the big angle. Yeah, but Liam, the end of that worked for the NWA for all those years. Oh, didn't it just? So, I mean, that, I mean, th- those reasons weren't why the NWA failed. I mean, that was the NWA was successful. Remember? So yeah. Eric Young, that. Eric Young's World Elite Stable was a oh. fucking bunch of losers in that. I, 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 still, I still think Ace, Ace is, I still think Immortal and Ace is an eight just because so much time Ace is an eight like a year so much time was put behind those two and it just think like Immortal like just think of the name the Immortal right and, and the people that were in it it's just like you had three people in there that you just wouldn't fucking go away it did feel like they were Immortal because they just wouldn't fucking die <laughs> yeah. you know in, in Jarrett, Hogan and Bischoff there's only two, two youngsters and I use that term freaking loosely yeah. uh, with uh, with Jeff Hardy and Abyss and we know we've talked about enough about Abyss I don't, don't think we need to mention anything more about him um, and, and Jeff Hardy and just like the one of the worst heel turns ever which just set him down the road to probably one of the worst uh, moments of business <laughs> yeah. uh, TNA have yeah. ever done yeah it was it was the heel turn that did it <laughs> it was the heel yeah, yeah. turn it, that did it, it. it's just, it's just the, the road you know it, like the, the road <laughs> yeah. travelled you know yeah. but, and, and then and then just with Aces and Eight they just put so much freaking effort you know not saying it was good effort just so much effort into that angle and it was just so fucking cruddy it just with Bully Ray like turning join them just remember we had Brooke Hogan Involved oh, in that, yeah. just get a fuck. Yeah, that that's way worse than anything because it was just so dead. Because I'd actually like kind of, and this is a weird thing. I actually know this stuff even though I stopped watching by then. Yeah. Like, and this I'd heard about this stuff. People, oh, you see this biker gang coming in. It's like Sons of Anarchy. The Sons of Anarchy. Who sucks? Sa- who said that? Who said that for. to you? That's what they wanted. No, but, but G was well, getting the impression that people just, said that to them on the grapevine. I, I can't, I can't really remember the name, <laughs> but I just, I just remember hearing saying, "Oh, it's like no, it's like no, it starts no, 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 with the no, 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 no. I want names <laughs> <laughs> and addresses." Yeah, Dave Vane. Yeah, it was uh, Dave West. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know of his address. It's, it's probably in the same box at. Uh, Tommy Dream was living yeah. but I just remember them saying it's like it's supposed to be like like that and I was like well fucking Sons of Anarchy sucks as well so I'm not really gonna it's not gonna make me fucking watch this and Bully and Bubba Ray the Bubba Ray Dudley's the leader of it wow that's fucking money towards me Colin Bollocks on the UK fan forum uh, for his eulogy wrote lines on the ubiquity of a moron Vince wince <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. I thought that was really good. LP on Pro Wrestling Only says that TNA under Scott Demore from the spring of 2005 up to the summer of 2006, it got rough after Slammiversary that year, was a super easy promotion to watch with a fun TV, uh, angles that made sense most of the time, very little uh, really bad stuff, and a lot of excellent to great matches thanks to AJ Daniels and Joe being featured heavily in positions to have strong matches. I put that against any territory from the 80s and it wins easily. So for that year and a few months alone, TNA was worth it. Then, of course, Never Such Potential has been ruined so quickly. Then again, the name is Russo, and he's the idiot of all idiots. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, a lot of uh, positive there. But I always associate that kind of period of time as, like, the AJ Daniels LAX, when they were, like, dominating the TV, and that stuff was really good. It's pretty much my kind of take from, like, 2005 and kind of Joe in 2006, and then kind of the the rise of Joe. But, like, even then, the rise of Joe seemed really staggered. Like, it's like, God, well, they just fucking... Pull the fucking trigger. Pull the fucking trigger on this guy already. Mm. Um, it may be time actually no we'll, we'll wait for that but um, Justin Seminate on the UK fan forum said you know I came here from a much bigger forum up north where I never uh, got a chance to write a eulogy for a wrestling company but now I'm here and I'm going to write a damn eulogy all over you bro <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> in all seriousness, I love the Motor City Machine Guns versus Beer Money Inc. series years ago. <coughs> Other than that, arsed. <laughs> That's his tape. Yeah, it was worth. It was worth the travel down from up north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. That's another thing that, like, God, you know, some of these acts that did get over, like beer money. Like, I, I loved beer money. Oh, they're great. I bought a beer money T-shirt. You bought two beer money T-shirts. Two T-shirts. You probably kept the company in business I for did, an extra actually, year. I am technically I have ownership stake in the company for buying those two T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> I wrote it off. Bomber Pat on the UK fan forum says TNA were a company that just couldn't keep any goodwill with all but the most devoted of their fans. I can't think of another promotion that got more second chances, more calls of, well, maybe they've learned from their mistakes, or maybe they'll get it right this time. This is a company that couldn't capitalise ratings-wise on hiring Kurt Angle fresh out of WWE, on hiring Christian, about the only guy at that time that conceivably made the WWE underutilise me I should be in the main event claim and have a significant portion of the audience agree with him, or hiring Hulk Hogan, or Sting. They bought in Jeff Hardy in 2010 at a time when the last anyone had seen him on television he was the world champion in WWE and arguably the biggest babyface not named John Cena. And how did they bring him in? Dicking around with Shannon Moore and Homicide on a show that also featured every man and his dog debuting with the company. Their entire history is just a litany of wasted potential, missed opportunities and inexplicably being given second chances long after they should have exhausted any faith anyone had in them. Every now and then they got it right. Kevin Nash in the X Division was one of the best things they ever did. <laughs> the broken universe wasn't to everyone's taste, but at least it got everyone talking, made the Hardys fresh and relevant for the first time in a decade, and at least suggested a company open to fresh perspectives. But they fucked up so many opportunities in the past that even when they do get things right, most people aren't prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt anymore, as they've been burned too many times in the past. Or else they're watching and wondering, okay, when will they fuck this up? So I think that kind of uh, sums up quite nicely, actually, the kind of the general attitudes of the fans towards TNA. And actually, very quickly, again, around the table here, just to kind of get the, the discussion flowing. What was the point, the breaking point, if there was one, amongst you guys, where when something happened and you finally just said, you know what, no more. I, I'm not watching TNA, I can't be asked to follow it. Because I know that I hit that point. Yeah, I got it. I can describe it in one word, and it's already been mentioned. Lynch. <laughs> Lynch. Please elaborate. Claire Lynch. That was my elaboration for you. <laughs> this, for me, I think is just the worst thing TNA's ever done for me personally. That like hit me. Uh, they've done a lot of bad things that we've already mentioned. You know, uh, Jeff Hardy just in general, and uh, Hulk Hogan, Vince Russo. Midget just, wanking in a trash midget can. wanking in a trash can. Cheeks uh, breaking the ring on the very first show. It's a good start. Um, but this to me is the most deplorable because one oh, there's so many fucking factors one just an awful angle poorly written and poorly conceived two it damaged freaking AJ Styles and it actually damaged and it actually damaged AJ Styles for me remember Dixie Carter's husband knocked him out on impact oh my oh, god, god. Surge. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. right they da- they damaged AJ. I like Surge, to be fair. <laughs> they, 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 they damaged AJ uh, so badly in this in an angle that nobody bought. Right, so they're trying to they're trying to throw this angle at you that he's basically slept with this fucking hooker or whatever she was, and you know even though they're, like, they're showing these like ridiculous photos where whether it's part of the plot or not, whatever. No, it's ridiculous. It, it yeah, it was the yeah, 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 the scandal. Yeah, and it was just like it just ran on for far too fucking long, and. They do need like they're showing the pictures of her, and it just you know it's just blatant that he's like obviously the angle's supposed to be that he was completely inebriated or drugged or whatever, and she decided to to slop all over him. 
And you're just there going, like, we're trying to believe that this Christian... Right, who are the this, this, involved this, in this? this we're, 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 trying to, we're trying to make us believe that this guy who, like, anyone... Well, everyone was smart, Mark, that was watching TNA, that would know about AJ Styles, the fact that he's a, you know, he's a family yeah, man. Fucking smart. He's, he's, watching he, him. He, he's, he's, well, yeah, he's, he's a family man, you know, um, uh, he's a religious. He's got his fucking children's names tattooed on side, and we're supposed to believe that this is the type of behaviour he'd do. Uh, ben and, was a nice guy, too. And, and this... Uh, <laughs> And the thing was, this, this, uh, this, not just like it, it, it damaged AJ for me because at this point I was like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He did try and crack onto Karen Jarrett once. That's true. Mm. He got married to her, didn't he? On him back once. Didn't mm. like the. the I think the, everyone's tried to crack onto her at one point. <laughs> let's be honest. Wasn't wasn't the deal that like Angle and Angle, Karen and Kurt were going to renew their vows? Somehow and he, and the he, vicar got blinded, yeah. and AJ like helped pick up Karen, and then he said, "I now pronounce you to man and wife," and they oh, became married yeah. or something, some bullshit like that. It, and, it, and it seemed there was no issue with bigamy laws yeah. in uh, the impact zone in Florida. It's based in Nashville. It, it just, it just did, it did just so much damage because it, was it just wasn't believable, and. At that point, it actually made me not care about AJ anymore. And AJ, I was like one of AJ's biggest fans during that early time period. I absolutely love the guy. And, and they made me stop caring about him completely because it was just like, okay, AJ, anything that happens to you from now on, you freaking deserve it because if you don't realise you need to get as far away from these fucking assholes as possible, <laughs> then you're a fucking moron. So I lost all interest. It's only when he left, finally left. That, it, that didn't even make him leave. That's the unbelievable part. He stayed there for more for several years after. It was The only time I actually got interested in him again was when he went to New Japan. It's like, okay, these guys can't fuck this guy up. And what did they do? They didn't. It was absolutely perfect. I love AJ again. It's absolutely fantastic. But they made me not care about him. But the thing is, this is the brilliant thing. That, this, this is the brilliant thing about this angle as well. It didn't just harm him. It's like a fucking black hole. It absorbed Christopher Daniels. It absorbed Kazarian all into it. Guys who I like and enjoyed. And even though like Daniel great. and even and Daniel and this yeah, this was a time where they were great. Bad influence was the yeah, yeah. they, they were fantastic. Daniels was on fire at this point. And you can <laughs> see and you can see Daniels is trying to make lemonade out of shit. And it's very admirable, but at the end of the day, let's not ignore the fact that it's shit. Okay? I don't care what it tastes like now. But it's just the it just it just damaged so many people. The crowd didn't buy into it. It just it, it was it was a laughing stock. Uh, it, it had Dixie involved in it, which is the fucking death nail in anything if you're trying to make things believable. You're forgetting, and you're, you're forgetting just. I, I need to say, sorry to interrupt you, man. I'm just going to say, she was the f- worst fucking actress in the oh, world. That, 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 and that, she's that, a fucking actress! That, that's, that's literally. <laughs> You've selected her to. That, oh that was God. literally the thing I was about to say. Oh, it's, it's just like. You, you, you to, 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 make, to make it even worse. Like, in to, uh, not just all that, not just to damage talent. Like, if you're just damaging, like, Abyss or fucking Ric Flair, who gives a shit? But, you know, it's people I actually like. So that's insulting, <laughs> right? You then add Dixie Carter into it, which is going to have, like, a weird sex stink all over it. But then on top of that, the core part, the core part of this entire angle. You need a freaking good actress for it, and they hire this stupid bitch, right? Who just can't fucking. Sting act. was getting given all the money. It's, it's, it's just, they just—I don't know where they fucking found this woman. I and know where I, they found her. They found her God. on the fucking Popeye ride at Universal Studios <laughs> across the road. Oh fuck! She me. was olive oil on the fucking Popeye waterfall. They literally. They literally. She actually does look like olive oil, so that's. They literally like. went out the back door and found the first person <laughs> they could find. Fuzzling <laughs> out. They, this this angle, like they. Need, they needed someone that could at least pull it off, and they just picked this absolute this, this woman who just you know no one's gonna t- you know I wouldn't touch her with your dick you know it's just like that kind of woman and and she's supposed to act this out and it just came across so like freaking Jerry Springer mixed with like the movie The Room if you've ever seen that <laughs> atrocious uh, film 
no. it, it was just don't don't Carl you, you you'll just cry yourself to sleep every night. It's just it was just the worst angle ever, and it just and it just absolutely killed any enthusiasm. I mean, I thought I thought the last enthusiasm for like Smojo because he had the dick on his head and all that stuff. AJ was like the last <laughs> guy I was like clinging on to, and this happened during the time period which we'd already mentioned. And I did get slightly confused on the timeline where they ha- they did a, start a certain run of shows where we're thinking ah. They got it. They're figuring it out. They're starting to develop stuff. They get and then right here. Yeah, I'm having your baby. I I appreciate the the emotion that was involved there, Gene, and how passionate you felt about it. But but you're you're completely wrong. <laughs> but, I'm not. But no, please no, say what you think. No, you, you're wrong because at that point, other than other than you, it would seem. I think <laughs> I was still clinging on. No one, no one cared about AJ Styles because at that point regardless of one or two good shows nobody really cared about anyone in the company anymore they were already in that treading water phase it just so happens that they've managed to extend it for several years people were watching it out of habit you know like old people watch Countdown for example it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's there it's reliable it's comforting who's hosting nowadays Carl? Oh, that's the guy that was um, uh, Alan Sugar's apprentice. Not probably, his, his probably, Vin, probably Vince Russo. Got a <laughs> Riley girl on it. She's quite nice. She's fair. Worst moment in TNA. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the breaking point for you. That's where we are. Breaking point will come as a surprise to absolutely no one. Ironically, it, it's got Russo's fingerprints all over it, and it and it involves Biss. Yes, I know what it is. And it and it, yeah, and it involves Sting. Yeah, it's it's the last rites. Yeah. Now, I'm not. He's gonna, watched his mother. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot his father <laughs> three times, times in the back. back. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm not going to pretend that at this point I cared passionately about TNA because I didn't. I had more. I had more interest. In, you want to talk about? If only there was somewhere that guys could go to sort of get a bit noticed and really hone their craft. There was that place. It was called Ring, Ring of Honor. Honor. In 2006, was on fire. Yes, far more interesting, far more entertaining. You know, a good pro wrestling show, as Kieran alluded to earlier. But it wasn't so much that that was a breaking point. It was just that that was that point where I was just insulted too many. Let me start again. It's just was it the Sting you, promo? Well, no. You, you talk about feeling insulted, and you hear about the the, the you don't know the spe- yeah, the specifics of the concept. You think Russo's back. This storyline this storyline has been turgid, <laughs> and they're going to he won the belt by DQ. He won the belt by DQ, <laughs> and they're going to do a last rights match. And you sat there thinking, just how bad can this be? And then the coffin descends, and you just think. And oh. the fire Russo chants begin. And you just think, oh, bollocks to this. Yeah, and you threw in the towel. What? Why should I bother wasting my time? I've got to say, being there for fire Russo chants is probably one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> when you I were there, you witnessed fire Russo chants and the announcement that Kurt Angle was coming. Yeah, it was on the same show. On the same show. The peaks and troughs. Yeah. Um, which is the thing, because that was the that was one of the best endings to a show. That fucking crowd was so high. It was literally it was it was electric. Um, but then you got a fucking blow up doll falling from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. The fuck. In the X Division match. Yeah. Just uh, where everybody wants to see their. And that, uh, that was when the chance started. I think, yeah, it? it was. Yeah. It was. Because you know the one thing you actually we've all everyone said was actually a good thing was the X uh, Division at yeah. that point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's throw a blow up doll in there just to make sure we shit on that as well. <laughs> 
Good stuff. I can't remember when I lost. I don't think I ever had faith, to be honest. I just. No, it's not faith, but like when was the point when you just like, oh, I can't, I'm not watching this anymore. I went to a lot of shows. Yeah, I, yeah, but you know, I just. It's no, always I, free. No, I'm emotionless. I just, go, I just do things. Snow Joe, Joe, I think it probably. The Nation of Violence. Aces and Eights definitely was probably the last time I really watched it consistently. Yeah. Um, the Van Dam thing when the Abyss attack. That oh, oh, that was hilarious. That, that, that Janice dicked his mom. Yeah, that 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 did me in because that was just bullshit. Yeah. There's so many. I don't know. That was one of them. That's the last thing I can remember anyway. So let's go with that. I, I, yeah, you might not remember, but I've I, I got to say, definitely, if you hadn't given up by then, by the time EV2 came around, you definitely would have stopped. You, you, because the Tommy Dream was all over that fucking yeah, show. Yeah. You would have stopped watching by then, definitely. Maybe I sensed him coming and got out before then. <laughs> you might have. I remember, I remember that. <laughs> you ever seen Parks and Recreations? You ever seen that show? Oh no, you won't get the reference. For the listeners, no, probably not. Well, Americans, right? There's there's a character in it, Ron Swanson. He has an ex-wife who's just like most deplorable woman in the world. But like he always knows, where she, uh, he always knows where she is. Like beforehand, he would just he would just be talking randomly, and you just suddenly stop and just look and just sniff the air and just go, <laughs> "My ex-wife is here." It's just like that essence. That's what you have with Tommy Dreamer. You just stop and just go. We got we got some contributions here from the loyal listeners who suggested things that could appear on the TNA tombstone. So, um, Lancer Man on the F4W board kicks us off with the company's so shitty it couldn't even die right, which was what you said yeah. at the top of the show. Was that Lance Storms? It might have been Lancer Man, yeah. <laughs> Indie West 17 on the F4W board says, Here lies TNA to the back. <laughs> Mecha Savage on the F4W board suggests, Actually, I don't know about a eulogy, but they should definitely get a 10 bell salute where they only ring it nine times. <laughs> 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 um, Zach Malibu on the F4W board says TNA from minus five stars to minus six feet <laughs> <laughs> and uh, S- uh, Ruin on the TPWW form says RIP Kurt Angle's wrestling career because it did get sad to see Kurt knocking around hurting himself moonsaulting off cages in this company where it didn't yeah. make a bit of difference yeah. what he C- did Kurt who spent more years wrestling for that company than he did That's- WWE it is it really really is Curtis on TPWW form says that's bankruptcy what's it doing in the impact zone <laughs> this is a pretty good one here um, actually I, I do want to get to this because obviously we've got all these uh, these suggestions here but we do have a couple of genuinely positive bits of feedback here Lesnar Turtle on wrestlingforum.com says they get a lot of shit for their incompetence but they were pretty damn good for a fair while in my opinion let's sound this out boys I'd say everything before 2010 was at least solid, with 04 to 08-ish being standout years. I thought they were on par with the WWE in 2006, and better from 2007 all the way up to Punk's Pipe Bomb promo in 2011. Uh, The early part of this decade was just disastrous. They got a short-term boost in popularity and attention, but it came at the cost of them losing their identity and to this day completely tarnishing their image bringing in that ancient Hogan and letting him be way too prominent, getting rid of the six-sided ring, and getting way ahead of themselves by trying to go head-to-head with Raw, etc. I think they have actually picked up a lot since they are in the last year or so. It's still not as good as it was pre-2010, and they will probably never get themselves back into the position of opportunity that they had late in the last decade, but it's a decent show. The problem is they've dragged their reputation to the mud so much at this point that everyone still views them as the red-headed stepchild of wrestling, and probably always will. 
It's a shame that they blew their opportunity. They had a roster that at times was arguably close to WWE's. They come, they came up in a climate where people were starved for an alternative. They had years on the same network as the UFC, they had a video game, and later on they were competing against a painfully PG WWE that was shedding fans in droves. It's hard to imagine any company having even half of this going for them at any time in the foreseeable future, yet TNA fucked it up and it sucks. So, uh, very big fan there up to a certain point. Pretty much it looks like until the Hogan regime. But uh, I think that's... Uh, just, and I guess it kind of ties back to my kind of... My dying moment. is Was seeing just how badly the Hogan thing was like, oh, well, it's going to be WCW, but the worst traits of WCW forever. The other thing with the Hogan thing as well, that was like the final golden carrot. Yeah, exactly. So like, it, and Monday nights. Yeah, it was oh, as fucking stupid as that con- yeah. idea was in conception. But there's always something, if we just get... And if you just get this TV or that time one slot, more hour, yeah, this or that, and this, that was the final one. That was like, oh, now we're there. Now, oh, Hogan now we're off. off to the races, and and they fucking put their asses out in the wind, going head to head, and and they got butt fucked. <laughs> <laughs> they got butt fucked on national TV, <laughs> and uh, <Wait>. so <laughs> yeah. so um, that was that was a big point because the, that perception. Then it's like, yeah, okay, this is what it is, and it's never going to be never going to be different. Yeah, so that that, that that was a big moment. Yeah, I think I think the I think the absolute last time I remember giving a, a single fuck was the Bobby Roode James Storm stuff that we mentioned before when he lost he lost the belt to Roode. Oh, they do the big they do the, hang on. So they do the whole big Bound for Glory series where Roode wins, faces Angle, and loses. Yeah. Then James Storm beats Angle in eight seconds because Angle's hurt. The next week. Yeah. The next week. Yeah. And then they do the whole thing where Bobby returns heel to win the belt, and Storm's chasing him all the way up to lockdown, where he successfully loses by kicking him out the cage in a cage match. And then it's a bit against, so we're building this up again. Bobby Roode's champion things seem like they're going well, and then Bound for Glory's around the corner, the natural blow off, you would think, so whatever they're going to do. And then they have Bobby Roode lose the belt to Austin Aries one month before. And as much as Austin Aries had momentum, and it did feel like a cool thing to do, I just remember thinking they better not fuck rude here because this is what they've got going on and they've been building to it for a long time don't have him lose it one month and the main event for Bound for Glory is like Jeff Hardy and Austin Aries and no one remembers this at all and I remember that, that moment where they, they had right there, I thought it was uh, Bobby, Bobby Ray that yeah no, no that's the thing It's like, but by that point it's just like they can't make you invest in anything and pay off a thing and there's just like for that point it's like I just I stopped watching with it's, any kind of regularity. I will say, yeah, in terms of actual attention to following stuff, that was yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And after that, so I don't. There is no point in me investing any time in fucking following this, or uh, you're never gonna get a payoff. Yeah, exactly. You're never gonna get a payoff. So what's the point? I'm literally waiting for them to fuck me, and uh, yeah, they always do. <laughs> Every single time. Yeah. Way to go. Good work. Neil Robinson on the Facebook page says, I like the initial Samoa Joe run right, until, uh, right up until he got that tribal tadger on his face. He had some absolute belters, especially with Angle. Big Daddy Jeff Jarrett was also a personal favourite, he says. Was, yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy was great. That was awesome stuff with the, 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 the Jeff Angle feud. Uh, there was a lot of so bad it's good stuff, like the Duck Cup, Cheeks, 
Tony Schiavone shoot interview, the electric cage match, and downright unforgivable stuff such as sending Jeff Hardy smacked up out of his bin and then dropping him on the back of his head, allowing Kurt Angle to continue to perform when he should have been in rehab and nowhere near a ring. As completely irrational as it sounds though, the one thing that annoyed me the most was pushing Ken Anderson as main eventer. I absolutely fucking detest that man. This myth that saying his surname twice constitutes being a rock caliber promo. Yes, Power Slam actually published that line and it always did my nut in. It will be gone, but not entirely forgotten, and for better or worse, I think we can thank Vince Russo for that. Ken Anderson. Just a complete waste of time. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's do this then. While we're on the topic of Canvas and then the Go main on. event run. Okay. The worst major push slash title reign in TNA history. The guy they went with it was just a fucking disaster. Who would you go with? Would you say Anderson was the biggest washout? There has to have been someone worse. That they like went, they actually really invested in. Because if you okay, so really I suppose, I suppose, I suppose okay. in, in that context, Abyss doesn't count then. I know, think never, so. Yeah. Can you have that one? I think. Like, they, they, Saban, didn't Saban oh the god, title? that was yeah. yeah Saban won the world title. They did the Bully Ray won the oh, belt. Oh yeah, yeah, and then yeah, Saban yeah. beat him. And they yeah, did the whole so, X division so, cash so, and so, shit. Yeah, Saban not long been back from injury. Yeah. Oh, and then they turned Saban heel. Yeah. Just like they did with Austin Aries when he beat Bobby Roode, they turned him heel to wrestle Jeff the next month. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw qu- another quick one that was out there. We already mentioned before Rhino. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, a ridiculous yeah. one. But I just, I for me, I just, I just think it's the obvious one. I think it's Jeff Jarrett. I think, I think that was the worst one because he just held that title for so long, and it was just like hot potatoes. Like, oh, we're going to give it to AJ because he's over. But then it's like, yeah, it goes right back to Jeff. Oh, we're going to give it to Raven, but it just goes right back to Jeff. It was just, it was just always went back. To yeah, him. and, and was, then they gave it to Sting. Yeah. Sting's up there. It was just it was just that initial run with Sting Jeff. Sting is really yeah. up there. It, it's just that initial run with Jeff, it, like uh, in the early days and into the early set of pay-per-views they did where he was it was basically Jeff's own version of Triple H's Reign of Terror really. Yeah. Um I mean he did a occasional job here, but though, when the belt just always ended up on him, it was just like but you're not over, you've never drawn though, a fucking dime <laughs> to quote many people. Uh, everyone that's ever worked but, with him. But it's it's ironic that during those early those early years that's the one uh, sort of time frame in which AJ actually got a prolonged run with the belt. Mm. I mean, we're, we're having to hark back to the days of the weekly pay-per-view, so we yeah. are really going way, way back. Mm. Well, that's the one time that Styles actually had a genuine run with the belt. Yeah. I can't, I can't really think of another. There's, no, cause there's, there's the period when again Kieran was in attendance uh, when a Tito Ortiz showed up. I was the only person who knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> 2005 this yeah, one. Yeah, I was on the bandwagon and and stuff before then. Yeah, uh, I remember when Tito come out and that was great. Yeah. There's, a, there's a dude in a burgundy top who stands up about near the back. That's me. Yeah, and of course he then chins Jarrett. Styles yeah. wins the belt because Jarrett needs to try and get the uh, the video. Were you anywhere near that toss pot who was always in front of the hard camera waving his t-shirts with either? either there was a lot of wankers around. <laughs> <laughs> Be more specific, please. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's what, a good what, point. What about, what about Jeff Hardy's title reign? Uh, I mean, by that point, it's like, I've got no problem with Jeff. So first of all, at least he's a star. He's not someone who you know, is going to under-deliver than what he did do, of course. <laughs> Like the heel turn to go with. Yeah, that was stupid. Like he wasn't a baby face champion. Yeah, although there was that one great thing when they had the feast, and he was like, "Yeah, because that, that's the period when Jeff Hardy would talk in that kind of weird language." You know, his, his imagination was he's, on fire, and he was talking about how he was a supreme being. We can he was not it. from this earth, but he will eat. He's <laughs> what. Here's what could probably be described as Willow voice. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Willow. Willow. God, Jeff. 
<laughs> see, see, that's that's the problem. That's the problem I have with Jeff Hardy. Yeah. You want to criticise TNA for, for the way they use him, and up to a point, that's fair. Mm. I would argue one of the bigger indictments I would hold against TNA when it comes to Jeff Hardy is that there are several times where they gave him too much of a free reign and he's so strung out and he's such a fucking idiot at the best of times he's not a creative genius nor his brother I don't care about Delete or Vanguard One or the Hardy Compound it was all bullshit that got five or six people jacking off because it was in air quotes different (laughs) I thought that's how you really feel Carl about the, the broken Hardy boys I bet you're going to be glad to see that come back, by the way. Oh, I can't fucking wait. Your opinion is obsolete, Carl. How do you feel about that? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, okay, uh, one, one last title reign uh, that, that I just thought was absolutely ridiculous, even though I was a fan of his. Foley won the title. Oh, oh, Foley oh, versus Flair. Fuck that shit. Of course, Foley. That was fucking terrible. <laughs> oh yeah, you missed that one, didn't you, Carl? He beat he beat he beat Sting, he beat Sting yeah. in a uh, cage match. A bit of a throwback of a cage match. And, uh, just just seeing Foley and Flair wrestling. Is it like just, watching oh. an ex fuck a horse? <laughs> <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it felt the same. <laughs> Step of the plate here, as Mick Fo- as the biggest Mick Foley fan around this it table, and we it, all it, respect it, it him. Didn't, it didn't happen. It was, it was fucking terrible. Didn't happen. It, it happened. did. It happened, and you know why it happened? Because it was in his fucking book. He wrote That's a book why. about it. He wrote a book about it. Where yes, yes. We're all yeah, aware yeah, of countdown to lockdown. lockdown yes. I, I was going to say that's when Foley jumped the shark for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. But he went. How do you feel about that, Carl? <laughs> Was that, uh, we talk about those breaking point don't, moments. Don't take it out on me because you lost Sean for four years. That's <laughs> not my fault. But Carl, there's a point here. Everybody had such good will towards Mick Foley, and then when that TNA Beloved. run, he was bullet. When that TNA run happened, hate it. Yeah. Slimy whore I, for money. Pariah. I, 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 agree, I agree with you. That's what, that's that was the exact moment where I just thought those oh, those those, those maybe uh, was a work look, at the time. Maybe shoot comments from Paul Heyman that he was a whore is actually hold on, right. Hold on. Mick Foley is quite clearly and has been on the record not in as many words as saying he is a whore for money may I throw you back to his very first book where he talked about screw the show because he had t-shirts to sell <laughs> anyone who doesn't know this about Foley like is, living, <laughs> is living under a rock the difference is I, I, accept, I accept Foley for what he is how about that the trial of Mick Foley ooh ah that could be fun. That could be fun. We haven't done a trial in a while. Oh, we've done one this year. That might be. That oh, might be the one. That might be the one. Uh, James Proctor on the Facebook page says, "I am genuinely saddened by this. I was desperate for some competition with the WWE post WCW and ECW, particularly after the brand split novelty had worn off after several weeks. I remember seeing an advert for the first weekly pay per view, and I was on holiday in the Caribbean and reading the review in Power Slam." I guess because I followed the company from day one, I was rooting for it. I was delighted when they signed with Spike and ran their first house show. In my opinion, a lot of the on-screen stuff was good. This is thanks to the roster of indie veterans. While there were some dubious storylines, in my opinion, they were no worse than mid-2000s WWE. The first Monday night episode of Impact lacked wrestling, but was exciting in a who-will-be-unveiled-next kind of way. However, I think this is where things went south. I just wish they had emulated ROH's slower growth and not employed Vince Russo. Maybe things would have been different. I, Is there any way this could have been different? 
or were they always because I mean again Russo wasn't always there I'm not defending him leadership comes from the top line that's what I'm saying because look at the people they did but Dusty Booker who was decent in the early 80s but then crashed and burned and was never really all that good about about the only person they didn't bring in was Watts well (laughs) they brought in a Watts it was the wrong Watts (laughs) Dixie probably meant to bring in Bill Bruce Pritchard was there for a time as the bucko and that went it's, nowhere it's yeah. there now you know what because each and every one of them fucking knew she was a money mark and they were fucking around for as long as it would last believe it drive so, that's yeah. all it so, was so, so, the, so the, root, the root cause of all these problems is Dixie at the end of the day as, as she, she is the one that brings Russo back time and again oh yeah and so, also, so, could also for extension say Jeff as well because Jeff was the one that brought Dixie in so it, yeah well, he had I don't to think, yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, it, it might not have been. Worst option. <laughs> it might not have. If if you take Russo out of the equation, it might not have involved so many farcical elements in the way it has. But I think you you've still you've the the problems still persist. It's um, I I I do find it interesting that uh, a couple of the emailers now have referenced. It was no worse than or it was just as good as mm. and they use that WWF time period which stunk I don't want to I'm, I'm trying to put this in a way that I don't want to be personal or not the emails it's, it's their opinion of course they're entitled to but it's just that if, if that's if that's the benchmark you use it, to me anyway to me personally it's kind of a flawed argument if that's your benchmark mm. yeah well I can't, I can't disagree with that no. too much Superbat on the F4W board says I think the other thing to sum it up was Dixie costing herself Spike TV by secretly employing Vince Russo again after being told they never want him back and that being the final straw for them to cut bait they were in trouble from the start with the name yes they can tell everyone that TNA means total non-stop action but the reason Russo came up with that name was to be cute with tits and ass it was cancerous for sponsors to consider and they lost a lot of opportunities for advertising revenues because of that name when you say TNA wrestling to someone who knows nothing about wrestling they think it's Cincinnati immediately. And some of Russo's women abuse angles back in the early days just made them look horrible. Well, oh, remember them? Well, Athena getting fucking destroyed. Athena oh, getting God. destroyed. I think um, Jarrett hit um, Alexis Lurie with a guitar. April Hunter at some point got destroyed as well. Mm. Uh, yes, da- David Young was on screen, which must be an offence to women in some form. <laughs> yes, they were small, but Jesus, they had a million people a week watching their show, uh, Superbat says, and running monthly pay-per-views that were at least treading water financially. Plus the video-on-demand library and merchandise, and they had a full house show circuit. They actually were onto something for a little while. Then Russo wrote them into oblivion, and the product got so bad that people gave up. So, uh, yeah, again, it kind of goes back to that thing of the uh, issue being at the top. Ultimately, it's always going to come down to that. And, and, and this and this suggestion of people wanting to be competition for WWE, you know, it, it can't. I'm not saying it can't be its own entity, but this notion of it has to challenge WWE. And and, and when that is your mindset, as we've touched on, for, in in that climate, you're doomed to fail at that point. Launching launching in 2002. We've referenced before about when WCW died; those fans just went away. They 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 weren't there to be sort of caught up in in a company that was going to even look remotely similar to the WWF, and there was no network that was or no big network that was desperate for a new promotion. I think um, one of the podcasts actually I listened to this week touched upon it, and I, I, I can't remember which one it was I'm sure the emails have probably listened to it as well but it's this notion of you know TBS 
weren't there wanting to broadcast new wrestling at the time. TNT, you know, those companies obviously didn't want it for <laughs> obvious reasons. If if Fox had wanted it, they could have taken WCW back in the day, or they could have taken ECW. There wasn't there wasn't the necessary platform there for a company to challenge immediately, and obviously. The TNA as a company had in mind that's what they wanted to do, hence blowing as much money as they did in the early days. I want to talk about that's a good point though about the, the lost WCW crowd. Yeah. And it's got to be that's your mindset. That's 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 the that's a segment of the market that's there to be taken. And straight away you call your company TNA, you're not attracting those fucking fans. No. If you know what who those fans are and why they're not watching WWF. Yeah. And to not comprehend that from the start is asinine so fuck him uh, <laughs> and just as if you, don't, you need to emphasise the point here's Russo on your screen I, th- I think that you can lead us into like a, a, another section of just like bad like business decisions oh, in general yeah. you know not not just uh, not just like obviously bad booking but like you know th- mentions things like obviously uh, you know uh, giving Vince Russo the call you know uh, bringing Hogan and Bischoff in Jeff Jarrett bringing Dixie in whatever uh, all the way down to like you know really badly spent money you know like I, I mentioned earlier about Johnny Fairplay getting 300 grand for 40 minutes work uh, you know Pac-Man Jones Ortiz uh, I can't remember the guy's name but uh, there was uh, there was uh, some, some TV star whatever had an interaction with R-Truth and there was like some racial kind of um, this was roughly just slightly after um, 2004 uh, I can't remember the chap's name but there was some sort of like racial slurring kind of going on between R-Truth and this guy on television and he was a TV star and in the end, the TV star actually, I think, beat our truth up uh, in the angle. I'll, I'll try. I'll try and look it up. I can't remember the chap's name, but just small little pieces of business like that because they they brought in a lot of celebrities, right? They tried to do the old. Uh, you could generously uh, call him that. Yeah, generously. Yeah, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, he was. He came in as a wrestler, Jesse. Uh, he was. He was with um, bloody. Uh, I think you've proved the that's, point. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how, that's how yeah, significant he was. I think he won like a big brother over Jesse Garvers. That's it, Jesse yeah. Garvers. Stuff like that. Where he just brought in these, these you know, quote unquote celebrities and stuff. These bad business decisions that they made. You know, uh, you know, hiring, uh, you know, the Nasty Boys and uh, Orlando Jordan. All these things. Like, just bad decision after bad decision. You know, that, that, I mean, they, they started straight away, you know, by putting Cheeks on first. And uh, you're putting the title on Ken Shamrock or, uh, you know, doing weekly fucking pay-per-views. Weekly pay-per-views? Yeah. <laughs> Twenty-two million in two years. Yeah, other, other than just booking decisions, just really bad business decisions. At its rudimentary level, it's just it, almost more criminal than uh, the stuff that happened inside the ring. An, an interesting one. Right? That, 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 uh, please don't rush on my account. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to touch upon because I think Kieran sort of alluded to it before. Um, when it comes to Hogan and Bischoff, and sort of the disaster of going on this Monday night. It may just be, but I think I think the company's doomed long before Hogan and Bischoff arrive. I think so. Almost, almost touching on to a point Kieran made in a way. Hogan and Bischoff to me is the company's last excuse that they've now lost because, as you say, they talk about if we can just get X, Y, or Z, and anything. If we can get Hogan. You know the the man who quote unquote made pro wrestling popular on a national level, mm. Alleg- allegedly. If we can get him, then we really do have a chance. And to me, that was that was just the last excuse that they ran out of for being failures. 
Uh, yeah, sorry. The, the the really bad angle I was thinking about was um, uh, K Quick uh, back in the early days, uh, standing up to racism apparently because they had uh, some a uh, uh, couple of NASCAR drivers in there, uh, Sterling Marlin and uh, Hermie Sadler, and there was just this whole oh, hot yeah, seat with yeah, Hermie Sadler. There, there was just this there's, there's this whole bad angle where they're just like uh, you know having a confrontation, and there's there's references to uh, you know our people and your people, and uh, uh, really kind of bad like racial undertones in there, and. Uh, uh, apparently the crowd was kind of uh, quite into that as well and uh, made worse by the fact that um, obviously uh, K-Quick took offence uh, to the comments being made and they had a singles match and uh, believe it or not the NASCAR driver actually uh, dominated and won uh, <laughs> using a dusty finish so like bad business decisions like that but I think that the worst one the really deplorable one that just kind of reminds me of just like how how uh, fucked hard backwards they really are was uh, when Dixie addressed the uh, the locker room that was my favorite. Uh, that entire speech and uh, the looks on uh, like AJ and and uh, Smojo's faces is just absolute uh, a perfection of like stinking like fucking the pooch basically so basically this was a real life speech that Dixie cut to the crew that they aired on the show and so I've got it now and we're going to play it over the microphone and I want the live reactions of of, of the crew I, I bear in mind I don't think I've ever I, heard I remember this. this I was watching it the other night here we go. Since I was named president six years ago, I've had a lot of people telling me how to run a wrestling company. And while I appreciate their contributions, it's time for a change. We've had a lot of great things going on in this company. We've made a lot of changes in the last few months that I'm sure you've seen, and we made a bigger change even last week. I can assure you that we'll have more changes coming in the coming weeks and the coming months as well. Nobody likes drastic change. Nobody likes big moves. I understand that. And it affects different people different ways. And while I respect that those of you out there might have differing opinions of the decisions that I'm making, I expect you to support me 100%. When you question things in this company, you're questioning me. And I cannot allow that to happen. (laughs) Business is about choices. I've made the choice to put my finances, my reputation, my passion, my love behind each and every one of you and this company. And it's time for you to do the same thing. You have a choice to make. You can choose to support me. You can choose to support the direction TNA is going. Or you can choose not to, but you'll need to find another place to work. It's time for us to swing for the fences. It really is. No great success comes without risk, and I'm great with that. (laughs) I hope you are too. Now's our time. I look out at the faces that have made this company, and you've made me very proud. But this is a test. So I'm asking all of you to step it up in every way possible. And let's do this thing together. Because now's our time and you've got to believe it. If you don't believe it, you're hurting the person sitting next to you. You're hurting me, you're hurting our fans. But if you believe it, let's do this thing together. And let's show what everybody we're all about. And you, know, and you know what? They they really they really took all that to heart because then, not shortly after that, 
AJ went to New Japan <laughs> Samoa Joe went to WWE so did Bobby Roode and Eric Young and James Storm for a brief time and also some other members that were in there like you know Rhino and uh, oh, <laughs> Mickey James that line that line Reach when she says for the stars if, you, if, you, if you're not with us and you need to find another place yeah. to work where's Raven when you need him all I was thinking was Bischoff in the summer of 99 and, yeah. and just you remember if you even dare to like go against what she wants to say right you just fucking remember nope. and just look at the person sat I'm next to you. you you look them in the eye and tell them you're going to fuck them over by standing up for what you believe in <laughs> I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm telling you was anyone else expecting a Zeke Carl at the end of that because I fucking was <laughs> no critical thinking mm-hmm. no. Supremo Hitler, Hitler wasn't that heartless <laughs> Supremo <laughs> edit that out nope I don't think so Supremo <laughs> <laughs> Supremo on the UK fan form says some people have so much money and are such marks for WWE that they'll spend millions and millions trying to be them and when that doesn't work they'll just appear on the network instead undoubtedly <laughs> considering that as some type of success Dixie Carter what an embarrassment the money marks money mark yes oh. yep here here and then do it to it Steve Bachenik on the Facebook page says, While I don't feel sorry for the company, TNA, I do feel for the roster, who for a variety of reasons do not work for the WWE. The company has suffered self-inflicted wounds for years, and the cause of death can firmly be written as suicide. Can we at least get an accessory conviction on Hogan this time? Yes, Carl. Carl! Carl. Come on, this is on you. I think really? you made a solid choice, really? given the evidence presented to you that back in the day. We're talking here about the trials and tribulations of TNA and their not-so-glorious history. And you want to use that as a vehicle to get back onto the court case with Hogan. Yes. For shame. (laughs) Fat Hardy on the UK fan forum (laughs) says, I went to Orlando in 2015 with my girlfriend. As part of this trip, we made a few visits to Universal Studios. A fine place. Uh, One of those times we were made aware of an impact taping taking place. We've got Matt and Jeff Hardy wrestling, they proclaimed, desperately trying to fill the arena up. I convinced my girlfriend to come in there, so we went to a TV studio and saw that horrendous ring with a crowd of misfits, as well as those just there for a laugh, followed by two nobodies in the ring. After the match, the crowd were told to stay around and cheer loud, as we've got some backstage tickets to give out. That old chestnut from Borash. Oh my god. Just like the biggest superstar ever signed announcement that played the company throughout its entire life. In the whole time I was there, it felt like an independent promotion and very small time. We saw Jeff being inducted into their Hall of Fame, which in itself was a joke, and he pretended to get all emotional. The roster soon came onto the stage to applaud his achievement. The funny thing is out of that same roster, there are about only two of them that aren't currently now in the WWE. <laughs> I, was soon, uh, I soon exited, with both me and my girlfriend unimpressed. I was disappointed with the promotion. I was what? Hang on. I was disappointed with the promotion that I wasn't so excited to come to the wrestling channel. So and was so shockingly badly presented. We went back to Orlando this year for WrestleMania. Suffice to say, the whole thing was a vastly different experience. I would, just, if I can offer a word of advice to that emailer, I strongly suggest he get down on one knee and give her a ring. Because if <laughs> she, if she's stuck with him through that, then she is definitely a keeper. I've got some bad news for him, unfortunately. Um, the effects of taking your girlfriend to TNA, it will lead to a slow burner and you will break up within two years. <laughs> uh, right now, she does love you and she's accepted it, but the more and more she thinks about it, there is a cumulative effect and there is no way. Dude, start looking for someone else right now because so, it's not lasting. So she's starting to ask herself right now as the we speak. Fuck? She, she's thinking to herself... Is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? No, no, she knows he's not. Okay. She knows that already. Um, but she's only starting to realise it or admit it to herself. See, 
it, it's more than just a ruined wrestling promotion it, it ruins people's lives mm-hmm. Daniel Cleary on the Facebook page says, While it should never have been seen as competition to the WWE, there were times that TNA could have been seen in the same light as ROH is today. A small uh, number independent with TV that provides a genuine alternative to the WWE. Before I dig the boots in there, uh, there were a couple of good points. I give guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe and Bobby Roode a platform to be noticed on a wider and international level. And the matches, especially with Styles, Joe and Daniels, being a bright spot for the company. It shined a lot on the X Division. However, for one of the good points, there were always 10 negative. Whether it be Jeff Jarrett's desperate attempt to put himself over the whole roster. The endless list of extra talent coming to Florida for a paycheck and providing nothing to the company. I'm looking at you, Booker T, Ken Anderson, Fat Dustin Rose, and sorry, Carl, but Mick Foley. <laughs> Let's not forget the outstanding decision put Pac Man Jones in a ring in which he legally wasn't able to wrestle and have him win the tag team titles. TNA was a poor man's WCW, and while it stayed afloat a lot longer than it should have, it was only a matter of time from the beginning. I blame Jeremy Ballrash personally. <laughs> So uh, there's his take on that. Um, I want to get to, because obviously we've got so much feedback here, we're not going to be able to get to all of it due to time, but there is a, uh, a song that I want to get to here that was written for us uh, by an illustrious contributor here, Fog Dude on the UK Fan Forum. So I'm going to try and do my best job here. I'm not a singer. So I'm going to read <laughs> this and just hear it in your head in the tonation of Candle in the Wind by Elton John. Goodbye, TNA. Though I rarely enjoyed you at all, you'd always delude yourself that your product wasn't flawed. <laughs> oh, here we go. You were a little bit country till Panda and Dixie bailed out Double J. Then you sort of belonged to Corgan. Now again, you change your name. <laughs> it seems to me you booked your fed like a dwarf wanking in a bin. <laughs> Things went even further downhill when Black Rain came in. (laughs) All that merch sold by Don West couldn't save you. One of wrestling's greatest shills. The young talent often jobbed. The legends never do. (laughs) So that was quite fantastic. Good work. Far, far superior to uh, Dixie's rah-rah speech. Oh, wasn't that just yeah. precious, though? God bless her trying. Norcross RD on the FOW board says, TNA Wrestling, the company that at one time or another had some of the biggest names in wrestling and could only draw 100 fans for our show. <laughs> they, <laughs> then they pissed what little goodwill they had to keep Russo. There were so many... God, there's so many good ones here. I really want to apologise for the ones we're not going to be able to get to due to time. Just, just to touch on quickly before... I, I, as a general rule of thumb, the listeners aren't interested in our failed exploits at attempting pro wrestling ourselves but I would just like to emphasise we have outdrawn TNA house shows yeah mm-hmm. we have doesn't that tell you something we have indeed dude we sold tickets we win yeah. <laughs> we win one for us score one for the good guys none for you Wyatt Sheep Mask on the UK fan forum says in a Chief Wigan voice phew thank god that's over <laughs> Uh, it's not that I want to see their promotion go under the more promotions there are around for up and comers to apply their trade can only be a good thing in the grand scheme of things the thing that needed to go is the TNA name and the awful reputation that it had accumulated over the years years of wasted opportunities broken promises and horrendous decision making the promotion just always seemed to have ideas above its station failing to realise that it was in re- uh, 
The promotion just always seemed to have ideas above its station, failing to realise that it was, in reality, nothing more than a large indie fed. The move to Monday nights for the so-called second Monday Night War should have been the realisation that they were nowhere near the level they thought they were. What was it, 10 weeks before they moved it back to Thursdays? And some of the people they had on their roster at the time too. Sting, Angle, RVD, Jeff Hardy, Ric Flair, Booker T, Mick Foley, Kevin Nash, Hulk fucking Hogan, all massive names in the industry, some of the biggest names in fact, but the majority were past their prime and from an era that was long past its shelf life. It wasn't so much the WWE alternative as it was discount WWE. They just couldn't get the absolute basics right. Faces booked in advantageous positions. In massive gimmick matches, for example, it's the most blatantly obvious no-no in wrestling booking. Why would anyone get behind a set of good guys who have the advantage over the baddies? That's booking 101. The reputation and name it had was just so fucking toxic, it needed to be taken out back and put out of its misery. Jazzy Jeffers on the UK fan forum says they had this knack of building people up to make them a big deal but overdoing it so you stopped caring. Uh, Samoa Joe was a revelation when he first came in and that match from Unbreakable 2005 will forever be talked about as arguably TNA's finest match up there with Joe vs Angle at lockdown. They show plenty of promise allowing indie guys little extra exposure and the like and I, uh, but I think the missteps will be remembered more than the highlights. Jarrett triple H'ing himself and putting himself over a plethora of stars just because he could while he was the champion. Plenty of former WWE guys who you could guarantee within days of their no-compete clause being up would walk out during the opening segment of Impact, cut the obligatory I was always overlooked, held down, sour grapes promo and go over go over whoever the incumbent world champion was at the time before inevitably dropping it back to Jarrett the week after. The ultimate escape match in which the entire X Division did their best sperm impressions to try and ejaculate themselves to victory from the penis cage before Jeff Hardy's debut went completely wrong. Jeff Hardy being absolutely off his tits during a main event. Scott Hall being replaced by Eric Young in the band. Samoa Joe getting kidnapped by who I assume was a bunch of students, taking on what would be uh, history's longest pub crawl and turning up months later with a penis scribble on his face and proceeded to do absolutely nothing for ages. Crimson in the main event mafia. Half the main event mafia getting their release from TNA the weekend before they were supposed to turn up to feud with Immortal and entering the Royal Rumble the Sunday after. People thinking Booker T had come out of retirement that same Sunday when he turned up in the Rumble. Claire fucking Lynch. AJ Styles and Sting both needing 8-9 to nine guys to beat them on their final nights in the company. Bullshit stipulations that gave away the endings of events a year away. The loser gets no title shot until next Bound for Glory. The Bound for Glory series. That wasn't applause, that was your entire audience face palming. TNA may be gone, but it'll forever live on in Russell Crap books, and I'm reasonably sure Impact Global Force Wrestling, or whatever it's called now, will be just as guilty during its tenure. Marrow on the F4W boards is a company that could and should have been a viable alternative to WWE if not for the utter lack of quality control. Virtually everyone backstage from Dixie to Russo to Bob Ryder was in over their head and there wasn't a competent guiding force to steer the ship and keep things looking major league and professional. They let guys like Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle careen from addiction to possible disaster and didn't give a shit. Not to mention the tendency to skew towards a WWE light product with reheated WWE leftovers looking for an easy paycheck instead of embracing the X Division knock and up-and-coming talent doomed it to irrelevance too. They had Samoa Joe in his prime and killed his motivation. They had arguably the best wrestler in the world in AJ Styles and drove him away by slashing his salary. They had Daniels, Lethal, Shelley, Saban, Kazarian, Aries and more. Never has a company achieved so little with so much raw talent on the roster. That has to come down to the people in charge. 
This is a good time to post that video of Dixie chewing out the roster that actually aired on Impact if you can find it. Noid on TPWW has a, a long post, I'm going to have to truncate this slightly somewhat just in the interest of time, but he says, We are gathered here today as wrestling fans to, well maybe not mourn, but acknowledge the interpassing the entity known as Total Nonstop Action. That's right, TNA Wrestling. Hold your laughter. Oh, no one was laughing? Alright then, let me continue. As wrestling fans, we like to root for an underdog. When Jeff Jarrett started to... When Jeff Jarrett decided to start his own wrestling promotion in 2002, there was a stir. We needed something else. Triple H was just about to declare himself a World Heavyweight Champion and reign for three years. Reign for three years. Luckily, we had Jeff to declare himself the World Champion and reign for three years. Shit. After a lot of ups and downs in 2006, Kurt Angle was announced as the newest member of TNA's roster. It felt like the dawning of a new day. Arguably, the greatest wrestler in the world was going to be in TNA. It was followed up by news that same week that Vince Russo had been re-signed by the company. Fuck. Talk about two polar extremes. Kurt Angle and Vince Russo being signed in the same week summarised quite poetically the dance TNA would constantly do. It wasn't one step forward, two steps back. It was more like one step forward into a moving train. The Mickey James. <laughs> so today we say goodbye to a promotion that finally had the courtesy to die. We all knew the day was coming and we all felt awkward saying it because we're all supposed to really love wrestling. We're supposed to want to see it succeed, but at some point that goodwill was betrayed. Deep down we all knew that the talent would find jobs elsewhere and that TNA would taint anyone associated with it after a certain point with a brush of irrelevancy. Well, I may have been slightly disingenuous there. I didn't really mean to specify after a certain point. When your goodwill towards a wrestling promotion becomes replaced with a bemused frustration at its refusal to die, you know it might be a bit hard to make a hot comeback. <laughs> the most honest thing I could say about TNA is that if it were the artist depicting flowers, it couldn't paint bloom on the rose. It's off to room 101 with you. Thanks for all the worst gimmick match suggestions and for none of the Desert Island Jewel submissions. To invoke loss from Pro Wrestling Only on the, on the ninth edition of Squared Circle Gazette Radio, I think 2002 to 2014 was a real low point for the company. <laughs> it wouldn't get any better. Carl Dixon on the Facebook page says, TNA's problem has always been nonsense alignment turns and dropped and restarted storylines, such as Angle feuds with Jarrett for half a year, then joins Immortal, which Jarrett is part of. Anderson feuds with Jeff Hardy and Immortal, and then joins them, and then gets kicked out and feuds with Bully Ray. Anderson later joins Bully Ray's Aces and Aids group. Steiner comes back into TNA against Immortal for an aborted main event mafia return, they are coming, but then joins Immortal. Just ridiculous. I remember at one point in 2007, James Storm and Rhino were feuding over Rhino being a recovering alcoholic. This feud was dropped for months and then picked back up out of nowhere later on. Which sounds about right. Final thoughts. Final eulogies. We are closing the lid on the TNA coffin here. And I would like you to share your final sentiments as we talk about 15 glorious years as Larry Zabisco once said. <laughs> well, it's over now, so let's move on. <laughs> One can't grieve forever. <laughs> I, 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 I don't care what anyone feels about TNA. My sentiments to, to this burial is pretty much fuck TNA. Because... No, we were supposed to be short and snappy here. Time was pressing. No, 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 no. No, I, I, no, I, I gotta say this because it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely fuck TNA. Because, I mean, first, as, as we already mentioned, they didn't even have the decency to actually die properly. You know, they, they're living on GFW. So essentially, what we got here is we're, we're burying an empty coffin, right? We're, all we're doing is we're burying a name, TNA, right? Correct. But, but that is actually still important, at least for me, that T the TNA name is getting buried because the TNA name will forever be 
uh, synonymous with with a, a particular word. Okay, and that's failure. Okay, absolute <laughs> failure. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolute failure. And the reason why it's like, oh, some people Seven, might turn around two. and say, oh, it's a little bit harsh. What about other companies like you know, like XPW, 3PW, uh, freaking Wrestling Society X, whatsoever? Yeah, those don't count because in order to be fa- to be a failure, there had to be a moment where there was potential for success, and those were never going to be have, be successful. So they weren't, uh, you know, a, a massive, uh, you know. Uh, failures, and you, I wouldn't even turn around and say the same about ECW or WCW. Those were more like tragedies because they actually did achieve things. This is why TNA is just a failure, full stop, because they had the opportunity. That's what really insults me. And like Kieran mentioned it earlier, like even 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 with all of us, if we were given the opportunities that they were, that they had, right? We, no, hell. no way would we have done a worse thing. Just oh. think about it. Like, if like rubbing a genie, and a genie just turns around and goes, "Yeah, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come up with a product." Right? You don't have to go into direct competition with WWE, but just as long as you make money, guess what? I'm going to give you 15 years to do it. That's a long fucking time. 15 well, years do, and 55 do, million dollars. Yeah. Do you want money? You're going to get money. Do you want a TV deal? Here you go. You're with Spike. Oh, how are we going to draw people to watch a show? Oh, what, what about some of the biggest names in the business, like Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy and, uh, and Nash and freaking uh, Sting and Mick Foley, all these people. The best and, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what are we going to do to keep people watching the programme oh we'll have some of the best fucking young talent of that generation with AJ Styles Samoa Joe um, uh, Beer Money and freaking uh, Mojo City Machine Guns oh we're going to have a tag division that's better than what WWE here I had at the time you can have a women's division I'll actually get noticed yeah. you can have all these things right and any one of us any one of us around this table would have done a better job than them they had every fucking opportunity this is what how bad they are they are just fucking failures Right to really go into how much of a fucking failure they are. Right when he decided to make the decision to go with GFW, just really comprehend that for a moment. Right, <laughs> Kishoff mentioned the fact that GFW. He turned around and said, "What did they acquire? What is GFW? It's essentially just a name. Just think what it was in that room where they they, they combined these two companies loosely together and they think, how should we go forward? They had two options. Just think that through. This is how much of a failure TNA is. On one side, you have Jared turned up with an invisible on, briefcase yeah, and said, "Do you want to buy this off me?" On, 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 on one side, you have TNA that's run for fifteen years, for better or for worse, has at least some sort of mild name recognition, right? It has a world title it's that has been, it's all uh, yeah, yeah, it has it has a world title that's been held by some of the top names. They have that. That's one option. The other option is to go with GFW, which was another failure. Where basically all they had was they added some commentaries to some New Japan shows. They ran a couple of shows in some uh, empty baseball stadiums and, and, did some, a and some bars of gold. Yeah, and did some TV <laughs> tapings that nobody ever saw. And when they had these two options together, they went with GFW. <laughs> That's how much of a fucking failure TNA is. I, for one, if any of you are fucking sad about it, get a fucking grip because I am not sad about fucking TNA dying. And you know what? I'm quite happy for when they get buried to rip down my pants and shit on their fucking grave. And you know what I'll do? I'm gonna because I actually fucking bought merchandise as well. This is a really insulting thing. I actually got DVDs. I have at least four of them. No, fuck it. I've actually got five. I've actually got five DVDs. I had four, first four pay-per-views, and I had the best of America's Most Wanted. Yeah, that's right. I had the best of America's Most Wanted. Who has the best of America's Most Wanted? I'll tell you why I got the copy of that. Because I ordered five fucking DVDs from them, the first five fucking pay-per-views, and they got one of them fucking wrong. <laughs> Failures! <laughs> fuck TNA! I just think that the, the, the line someone said before is like they could have been ROH now. What the fuck? Yeah. 15 years and 55 million dollars, you won't be more than fucking ROH. Anyway. I think, I think, let's that, move on. yeah, I was going to say for, for the final words, for, for my own personal final words around on, on the topic of TNA, it's just the kind of. Actually, I'm glad that you mentioned the knockouts, actually, G, because that was one thing that they did get right for a very brief period of time where they, they promoted them very, very well and they actually drew the best ratings. 
It's that fu- You want to talk about one word that sums up TNA? I got two numbers. 1.1. <laughs> the same fucking rate no matter what they did till the end of time. They couldn't draw a new fan if they promised them a blowjob and a million dollars for the for the privilege of it. And the, the thing that frustrates me the most is, yeah, obviously kind of tracking it from the very beginning, we're seeing UFC grow at the same time. That's what fucking... Because, you know, it's like... You're watching TNA struggle and do all these things that are just fucking idiotic and like, okay, even when things are good, it's thumbs in the middle. And at the same time, a completely different sport has captured much of the same fan base by just doing pro wrestling. Banned in most states at the time. Yeah, exactly. They have, like, you talk about advantages <laughs> that, that one thing has over the other and granted, you know, yeah, you can you make your, your, the argument about sport versus entertainment, blah, 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 blah. But again, it's it's fan base, it's presentation, it's what you sell, and it's characters getting over. It's and that's the thing that just flusters me. It's like they both had the exact, not the exact same platform because UFC was going on after WWE, so they had the, the WWE leading, and that's where a lot of the audience came from. But they were both on the same channel for the longest time, and UFC went one way, and TNA stayed at one point one. Literally, this company couldn't draw a new fan if you give them a set of Crayolas. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely diabolical. And, and you know what? Just, just as I was mentioning before, right? Because even though we're just bearing the name, TNA still hasn't died. Because let's just remember, guys, with GFW, right? Okay, now they've taken over, right? What, what was the first thing they did? They put, they put the belt on Del Rio, okay? Who's a bigger fucking loser than they are. Because <laughs> as soon as they put the belt on him, what did that dumb motherfucker do? Yeah, start slapping somebody about, and now they're like in, doing an investigation into that. And they basically, like, well, they haven't stripped him of the belt, but they've kind of put him on suspension. Well. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? <laughs> and by the way, on a final note on all this, just to look ahead to the GFW era that we're all going to embark on. An era is an extended period of time. It won't be an extended period of time, surely not. This oh, lasted this... fifteen years. Oh, fuck off. This, this. I'm not coming back to do that. <laughs> I'm not watching it. This quote-unquote new company will continue to tread water for many years to come. And I can't wait for us to do that podcast where we celebrate the death of Global Force Wrestling. <laughs> but don't you think it's funny? In fact, in fact, that that, sh- that that could be that's going to be a Twitter poll, folks. Make sure you follow me at Old Man Jones eighty five Twitter poll for you all to take part in. What's going to die first, Global Force Wrestling or me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just very quickly, Ron. I've, I've pulled my Twitter. By the way, I'm using it for other purposes now. Okay. Uh, so at wrestling profit is dead. At, at wrestling profit is still there, but I'm using it for for for, ten, the, for, for temptation reasons. For temptation reasons. Yeah, yeah. So, the world needs to give them to temptation. <laughs> so I, this is the thing. My final, I guess, comment on this is: GFW doesn't want the TNA stink, but they get the fucking six sided ring. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> they kept everything but the name. Doesn't, doesn't the G- same GFW isn't anything. They kept they're taping in the same building. Yep. They've got the same ring. They've brought back LAX. Bruce yep. Pritchard is there. Yeah. Dutch Mantel is there. Scott Demore. Scott Demore. Oh. They did. And of course, they did. The King of the Mountain, Mountain. Big Daddy himself. Oh. But, they, but they did fire Al Snow. <laughs> so, <laughs> one thing right. So no. Um, but doesn't this just? To me, this 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 very much sort of sums up the company in a way. The way that f- they're sort of what remained of their hardcore fans by 2010 lost their shit because they got rid of the six-sided ring yeah yeah 
That's, you know, that's talk about pri- talk about priorities. I fucking hate that ring. This excites. Oh my yeah. god! It means nothing. Oh, it fucking annoys me. It's just yeah. Look at this fake. It's a fake pro wrestling company. That's what TNA's always been. It's a fake pro wrestling company. It's a fucking money mark with money trying to be a, a pro wrestling company. It's not. It's not a fucking circus. Four sides, motherfucker. Four sides. Since the dawn of time, we've had four sides. Though it would have been funny seeing Hogan and Warrior trying to do the crisscross at Mania six in a six-sided <laughs> ring. Jesus, it would last forever. Haven't you heard about square wheel, Kieran? I hear it's all the rage lately. Is it really? Mm. Even as we're closing, I'm still remembering thing now because because you mentioned fucking uh, so Al Snow. I now suddenly remembered fucking gut check. I just, I just fucking remember that bullshit it's a fake wrestling company doing a fucking fake reality show and oh the fuck off Joey Ryan well, it wasn't, well, but with, was the asshole with, with, with Al Snow fired yeah. Does that mean there's there's now a way back for Terry Taylor or not? <laughs> Probably. Oh, by the way, he always lands on his feet. So, so, so Al, we've we've done an internal investigation, and uh, yeah, we're letting you go and no one else. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Poor Al. Yeah. yeah. Gut check. I forgot about that. Chris Gut Louis. Check. Remember that fucking fat bastard who couldn't like couldn't do anything against Gunner? Gut check. Gut check. Gut baby. Check. Open fight night. Oh. Oh, wasn't that, wasn't that the same? Didn't they do something similar to Gut Check, but with, with, with the British wrestlers and stuff? Oh, the British boot camp. Yeah, British boot camp. I didn't watch that, so Fuck I can't comment on yeah, it. But I, stopped, so I, I will say, is Explosion still going as well? Oh, sure. that's <laughs> that's right. Is Scott Hudson still there? Should be Implosion, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. Failure to launch. <laughs> it is beautiful how we can sit around here for two hours and talk about TNA and still come up with those asinine things that happened. We haven't even talked about Samoa Joe getting thrown into the back of a van. We haven't even talked about Okada, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito. You may have heard of some of these names lately, folks. They were in TNA for a while and they did nothing. And also, they once had a tag team that were a pair of dicks. Yeah, the Johnsons. Oh, hey, so the WWE, right? They had the dicks too. Different tag team, it's just a coincidence. Yeah. So anyway, I think that uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's any further comments you want to add, or if you're happy to let these this <laughs> let sleeping dogs lie, as it were. Here, I've got a handful of soil. I'm spreading it on there now. Yeah, fucking die. Nah, it's buried now. I think we just walk. It's away. over. We just forget it ever. Yeah. TNA. <laughs> can I can I reserve an allotment uh, next to it for Vince Russo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, let's make sure. Well. Nah, man, he's going. Go- we can cram yeah. into the same fucking coffin. He's going missing and never getting found. If I get married, <laughs> here's a question. Take with the fishes. Come on, come on. Oh, do you want a restraining order as well? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that was the best fucking news I heard. Oh, you fucking loser. <laughs> What's Jim Cornette gonna do to you? Yeah. Fucking pussy. Yeah. Fuck you now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let let's let's. I think this is the appropriate thing to end it on, actually, because we've we've, kind of, we've put the dirt on the grave. We've heard the comments. Final prognostication: Does Vince Russo rise again? Will he find a way? Well, yeah. As long as Jeff Jarrett is running company, he'll he'll find a job with him. Jeff will book him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, he's done it before. He will do. They're best buddies. Jeff will get that tingling sensation in his groin again where he's thinking, maybe I have one more title run in me, but I need a genius to book it. <laughs> he will. He will. <laughs> in, in, generally, in a sort of logical sense, you, you would say yes, because it's, because it's Jarrett, and Jarrett has a blind spot for two things, balsa wood guitars and Vince Russo. 
but it, I suppose it depends. You know, he, Jarrett doesn't have a majority stake. How how hands on do Anthem want to be with it? If, yeah, they they could put the kibosh on a high like that whenever they want to. So um, I, I wouldn't say it's certain. But you got to think, Carl. Go on. They were gullible enough to let Jeff Jarrett sell them. The GFW name when they could have just made their own for free. He literally yeah. wrote it on a piece of paper in Biro and then sold it to him. Yeah, and the officer side said, "I owe you." I respect. I respect that. I, 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 you know, what? I'll say this: I respect the hell out of Jeff Jarrett for being the greatest carny of this generation, who somehow got this fucking bumfuck hillbilly product DNA on national Spike TV. Man. That is incredible. This company that was doing no business. He's, he's Free got, tickets. He's got quite the track record, though, when you think about it. You know, manages to hold up Vince for a six-figure sum before he drops the IC belt. Gets a WCW gets a, gets World a, Champion. Yeah, and, do, and, and isn't even on one of those sort of bog-standard WCW contracts. He gets one of the Time Warner deals. Oh, I'm so, glad, so, baby. So that he gets paid for a year for doing fuck all. <laughs> then there's TNA, which should have died multiple times before it did and he cons Dixie Carter into getting involved after they've lost millions. Yeah, you think he gave that up for free, by the way? Yeah. Then he gets him on Spike. They manage to move from the barn to a studio. Warehouse. Warehouse. Sorry. You've got Global Force, such as it is, for, for gold sales, such as they are. <laughs> and he somehow managed to worm his way onto Wrestle Kingdom 9. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. He even managed to worm his way onto Square Circle yeah. Cassette Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Brilliant. My world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on that slap nuts. <laughs> <laughs> with that said, we need t-shirts we've been worked by Jeff <laughs> yeah. the very end of this now needs to be seen music <laughs> he did it to us too <laughs> with a clip with a sound might I'll play it Dixie we know how you feel <laughs> we, we've all been there <laughs> everybody's been there <laughs> everybody's been dicked by Jeff everybody's been dicked by Big Daddy <laughs> <laughs> and on that high note, I want to thank absolutely everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody who contributed again. Apologies if your eulogy uh, did not get read on the show this week. Unfortunately, we don't have any more time. And uh, this is, is such a big point of discussion. We were looking forward to this for so long. We want to obviously touch on as much as we could. So uh, with that said, gentlemen, this has been real. TNA. It's been emotional. We hardly knew you. <laughs> no longer the face of professional wrestling. <laughs> For Carl Jones. Later, bitches. For Kieran O'Rourke. Everybody go on Facebook, add Templeton Cruise as a friend, and then go and watch the video called Operation Gold Cobra. Thank you very much. And for G. Don Chase, don't be a stranger. Thanks for having me back, I really enjoyed it. I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Talk to you again soon. Hey, this is the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to Squared Circle Gazette Radio.